0: Good evening. Do you believe in
1: ghosts? Dicono tutti che l'hanno uccisa le anime dei morti, i fantasmi. I Vordalac sono cadaveri che hanno sete di sangue, il sangue di coloro che in vita hanno maggiormente amato.
2: Next week, we are
3: talking one of our favorite directors, Wes Craven, and one of the biggest movies we uh, haven't really talked about yet on the show. And I'm I'm sure you can take a guess, but I'm not going to say it right now.
2: But join the sleaze, please. That's right. We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover as well. Patreon subscribers also get an honor, shout out, and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for coming up on six years or something maybe more than that i have no mm-hmm. idea we have like 140 150 bonus episodes as well as our bonus transmission series which we are creeping up on 50 of and we just dropped a very big uh spooky one for this month so make sure to uh go sign up over at patreon.com slash podcast for anyone interested in that and speaking of which we did have a lot of people make the jump this week we're gonna give them their shout outs here we're gonna try and do a bit of a speed round here because uh, there were a lot of you uh we had signing up for ten dollars a month and joining us for the uh virtual screenings that we try to do on the last thursday of every given month uh, we had michael dare sign up for ten dollars we had zach tilma at five aaron keskin at ten dollars also joining us for the virtual screenings which by the way we're doing two of them for the halloween season uh lots right. so, of you know Get in on them. They're fun. Uh, we had Bed David Grabinski sign up. We had Omar Mosqueda. We had Michael. We had Mr. Melendez, uh, Donovan Spivy, uh, the Magic Bang Bus returning to <laughs> us once again. Um, Happy to have I you. remember reading that one out before. That's a memorable name. <laughs> Brian Monroe, Boy, Daniel Butler, uh, Gillies Larver, Emily uh, Pavze, uh, Sixenic, uh, Nick Schneider, uh, Butts Roffle, uh, yeah. right. uh, uh, Zach, um, we had Joey, we had Keaton Royer, we had Shoe Shippers, Alex Espino, uh, Nayeli G, Hannah Jaeger, Jonathan W. Johnson, uh, Xavier Sotel, Raynal Mora, Ben McDonald, who signed up for an entire year of the show, which by the way you oh, can wow, do, you shit in a bit of a discounted rate uh, monthly. You can get an entire year in advance. Uh, we had Isha Newcomb sign up, Taylor Posey, uh, Will Harris, uh, Blunderdome, and uh, five. Is it, is it just five oh five? Okay, just five oh five. Hell yeah, represent.
0: I know that. G- I know that guy.
2: five oh
0: five. I I know him. <laughs>
2: Rob's friend, 505. Uh, So thanks so much to all of uh, you folks for signing up. Hope you're enjoying those bonus uh, episodes and we appreciate the support. Uh, That's the one plug for the week. The other plug, as always, is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you were listening on either one of those platforms and I can see the stats, I can see you right now listening on both those platforms. Give us a good old rating and review over there. It helps us climb the ranks and find new listeners. And the very last plug, as always, is merch. If you like the poster art that based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for our show, you can get that put on basically anything that you can think of and you freaks have thought of a lot of things you've buttoned uh pens you've button pillows you've boughten uh, hoodies notebooks uh that link is in the description of this episode as well as over at sleezoidspodcast.com for anyone interested but that is it for the intro welcome back to another uh spooky week edition that's uh, right. spooktober uh you Love know it weird you know i love when that theme comes back all the all the listeners too we get nice comments about it every time jamie's spooktober theme everyone likes that we only use oh, we only use nice. it for four episodes a year but you know everyone likes it when it when it makes an it's appearance um, but uh, as always i'm your host josh lewis and joining me also as always is my co-host jamie miller welcome back everybody Welcome. Uh, I think uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time you folks would have heard from us and we would have actually been just kicking off the Spooktober 2023 season. We would have had returning guest uh, critic and author Adam Naiman on the show to discuss a double feature of acclaimed European arthouse horror uh, that that and two of his all-time favorite films. Uh, we talked about Nicholas Roeg's gothic and surreally impressionistic sort of like grieving couple psychological horror film. Don't look now, uh, and we paired that with George Sluizer's um, uh, more clinical hypnotic Dutch. Kidnapping procedural thriller, The Vanishing from 1988, both of which uh, were very enigmatically structured films, lots of obsession and predestination in them, and also two of the most poetically bleak endings for uh, <laughs> yeah, <just> history.
3: <laughs> very, very sad. And like I said last week, too, just picking Adam's brain on both of those was amazing. He's just, he's one of the most knowledgeable people that uh, I've ever spoken to uh, for, about
2: film. He's great. Yeah, so we had we had a lot of positive feedback about that one, but if you haven't heard it, go back in two weeks ago and go check it out over on the main feed. Uh, but last week, in the to, to really get us into the spooky season, we uh, did a very special double feature we've been meaning to do for a while, where we talked about the first of what would end up becoming many economical and visually imaginative 1960s collaborations between the legendary screen creep himself, Vincent Price... Uh, the B-movie maestro director and producer Roger Corman and the gothic horror tales of Edgar Allan Poe we did The House of Usher from 1960 as well as The Pit and the Pendulum from 1961 which filled our quota on foggy castles and family curses and men feeling guilty about burying women alive just the typical Edgar Allan Poe stuff so if you haven't heard that episode, that was last week over on the Patreon feed. Go back and uh, go back and check it out. Uh, but moving on to this week, we you know we are third. We you know we've spent two weeks really, really getting into the spooky mindset. But uh, this week, we really wanted to go true blue halloween mode and 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 you know we have a very special returning guest that many will know from his tweets about andrew dice clay and al pacino and from (laughs) his previous gangster movies uh episodes of this very podcast talking to us about things like carlito's way and the king of new york but aside on him we've never indulged on this podcast and something he's pretty well known for and one of my favorite twitter follows during the halloween season uh, you know, we we had to have him on for this, and that guest is Rob Franco. Rob, how are you doing, man?
0: Hey now, what's up, baby?
2: <laughs> Welcome back. How's the spooky oh, season man. treating you, man? This is your time. You're oh. thriving.
0: I'm I'm getting sad because it's almost over. What, yeah. what like uh, dude, already? Like, like uh, I, I, all <laughs> all
2: I'm saying is like by
0: by October 10th, I'm like it's almost
1: over.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, well, that's because you've already depression. been going since
2: September. At that point, too, man. Well, yeah,
0: well I, I I did start early uh, this year, which I don't normally do, but I I've had mm. a busy month.
2: But yeah, okay. I've
0: been I've been loving it. I've been you know I I got reacquainted with my boy Jason. You know, nice. I, okay. I gave up on him. I gave up on him last time I uh, tried watching those movies and. Getting reacquainted with him, man. What a revelation! Because
3: you enjoyed uh, uh, Manhattan, correct?
0: Oh my god, that let's well,
2: go. That's his favorite it, one. Yeah, he was just telling <laughs> that's me that that's that's awesome. it, that is yeah. the
0: best one. But 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 Holy seeing shit. Jason X at 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 the new Bev with with a crowded audience.
2: i wow, see. I still was, need to see that. that, was, that. Jason X seems right down oh my, my alley. God. That's the one with Cronenberg in it, right?
0: Yeah, he he's in it <laughs> for like ten minutes, and and it has the single best kill. <laughs> of the entire franchise, which you, you probably have seen, like on Twitter or whatever. But, yeah, I think it's awesome. I have,
3: <laughs>
2: but it is good. Yeah, <laughs> that that's awesome. Well, I mean, uh, Rob, we uh, you know we made this plan a long time ago. Maybe actually even like long, a, a year. Yeah, it might have even been like really, an, over really a year ago. Far
0: in advance, it, it was. It was. Uh, I could look back in the text, but, but it doesn't matter. I've got the it documents was, to prove it.
2: <laughs> it, it. Well, I mean, we were talking about having a Halloween party at one point, and then I was like, sure. "Rob, we got to have, we got to have a, like a, a an audio Halloween party. We need to, you know, yeah. we're going to reserve the main feed episode of the show before Halloween. So this is the last episode yeah. that free listeners are going to hear before Halloween. So this is functionally the Halloween episode of the show uh, right. for this year. So we were like, Rob, what, what are we talking about this week? And why, why did these, uh, why did we kind of think that these movies kind of encapsulated some Halloween mindset for us?
0: Okay. Well, so I, I have a theory when it comes to like Halloween mindset is so obviously when October starts, I'm only watching horror, but not all horror is in the Halloween sheen, like Halloween can it, it doesn't all mm-hmm. – and, and I thought if this was the Halloween episode, we got to try to get that 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 feel, that vibe of spookiness. So usually mm-hmm. for – like my my criteria is either it's something explicitly set on Halloween, either it's Halloween or it's uh, Hubie Halloween or it's Idle Hands or it's <laughs> Night of the Demons, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's either one of those or – Number two criteria is universal monsters.
3: Okay. Because, yeah. well, mm-hmm. the,
0: the key, the key ones though, like Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the wolf man the mummy, those ones, pure Halloween sheen. And then the, the, the third one, third criteria is, is, as long as it has like extensive fall visual language. Yeah. Just leaves and all that stuff. Then Halloween sheen. Um, mm-hmm. and, i so i was thinking about this but i also wanted to do uh two movies i had never seen and i i, I will be honest i was more focused on what josh hasn't seen i i should have been thinking what jamie <laughs> might not have seen but oh, it's no, kind of hard weird. to find enjoy these. two movies that the three of us have haven't seen you know yeah. that would have been way harder um, it's true.
2: We're pretty seasoned so, Halloween watchers. I feel like around here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so my, my first thought was like creep show. And then Josh made the, the brilliant suggestion of, uh, an older anthology movie, uh, black Sabbath by Mario Bob.
2: It's true. It well, Creepshow, crazy. you picked because it was one of the biggest horror blind spots for me. So this was like, you know, filling true. in a huge spot of one that I've been saving for a long time. I've owned yeah. this Blu-ray for years. And I literally was like, someone's going to pick this to watch it on the show at some point. Mm-hmm. I've been saving this for a special person, whoever that person is, you know. So Rob Rob gets that honor. And then, yeah, when you said that, you know, when I was like, well, Creepshow is an anthology horror film and there's one other really well done anthology horror film that I actually don't you know because I've watched quite a few of them I've seen Body Bags I've seen mm-hmm. Tales from the Hood I've seen I've seen a lot of even the anthology horror television shows and one of the ones that I felt like just always didn't seem to get the kind of attention that the quality of its shorts deserved was the Mario Bava one because I was like oh, yeah. that, he, he, only, he gives you 3 and 90 minutes and he kind of nails them all and speaking of Universal Monsters baby Boris Karloff is the one introducing those so I was oh, like absolutely. this fits all of Rob's criteria you know Boris sure. Karloff in a fall forest <laughs> introducing yeah. you to some spooky stories um, and uh, and creep show obviously I- iconic for this yeah. exact reason Absolutely. I think that this is like a, a a Halloween go-to for a lot of people especially anyone who grew up on 80s horror where you know I think it it, it really did give them that feel of you know getting around a campfire and spreading these uh you know g- gruesome and hilarious stories.
3: Yeah, and I find with Creepshow too, because it has a little bit of a a dark humor, it has that fun that goes along with uh, what you think of a Halloween film at the same time. That's true. Um, I guess that would be more like a a Night of the Demons kind of vibe and that, that kind of thing. So uh yeah the, the, these are a blast and and you want to get some pranks and smiles
2: in your Halloween well well this is like shows so
0: clearly like based on comic books it's so yeah. Yeah. It, 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 there's there's nothing really quite uh capital s scary about it it's just <laughs> it's spooky <laughs> themes but it's it's always fun yeah you know
2: Yep, very true anyway. Very true. Well, I, I think that this is a this is going to be great for getting everyone into the Halloween mindset, especially anyone who maybe like me hasn't seen one or 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 both of them. I'm I'm hoping a lot of people will will uh, if they haven't seen the Bava, especially will go and check that out. But that being said, mm. I think we are going to jump right into it here. Uh, we're going to kick things off. Let's talk about Creep Show. We'll grab you, grow on you, and give you the
3: creeps.
2: No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show. The most fun you'll ever have being scared. All right, we are talking Creepshow, the 1982 comic horror short story anthology film directed by George A. Romero, written by Stephen King, with an insane all-star cast of uh, of various like TV sitcom and comedy and horror legends, yeah. uh, ranging from Hal Holbrook to Adrian Barbeau to Leslie Nielsen to uh, Ted Danson and Ed <laughs> Harris, and, and even some fun cameo appearances from some sleazoids legends like the gore makeup effects genius tom savini regular john carpenter collaborator tom atkins it is uh, one one hell of a who's who of uh, various halloween involved uh, filmmakers and and actors and obviously directed by george romero one of the sort of like mount rushmore gods of sleazoids and horror alone for his night dawn and day uh, of the dead trilogy which are you know still held among you know the most politically angry and viscerally upsetting and depressing not just zombie films but basically horror films yeah um, I, I remember when we covered day specifically because like you know everyone lo- you know night has the civil rights kind of Vietnam era sort mm-hmm. of like grizzliness to it dawn has that like consumerism kind of gore fest but the scientific ethics and like the bloodthirsty militarism aspect of day is the one that I find myself returning to the most yeah and that military guy just getting his head torn off oh, and you can hear the pitch shift on his scream as the vocal cords stretch. Yeah. Just one of those things that I'll like never forget.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think about it often to be honest. Probably too often. It's it's honestly one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And the way that movie yeah, just that kind Yeah, w-
2: of... that, w- that was actually my Halloween watch last year because I was like, oh, man, yeah. that's a rewatch I need to do. <laughs> when I was in uh,
3: Cleveland for the tour, I actually showed my buddy and keyboardist, Joel, uh, that one. And, and one thing I forgot kind of was how long it kind of cooks the the character development and the tension before it just just goes insane in the last 20 minutes
2: um yeah that movie is fantastic i love that movie yeah but we've uh we've also covered some of his more low-key ones things like the crazies which leans more into that sort of like political satire bleakness where you know you don't really know who's infected or who's been driven into madness and all that and uh we've also i think covered martin on the show too right the Mm -hmm. uh, vampire uh, pittsburgh sort of like drug addiction vampire drama which has uh speaking of insanely bleak dark endings uh (laughs) that's another one that i actually uh think back to pretty pretty regularly in terms of how just gruesome and sudden it is Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, this is a guy who has the power to be, um, funny in a very dark and kind of ironic way. Uh, even though he typically uses that for more sad and kind of gruesome, uh, ends, at least from what we've covered of him. But, uh, Rob, we're talking about Romero here. Do you have like a formative Romero or like a Romero that you go back to all the time?
0: Well, so I am, I'm new to the game in the sense that I watched my first, uh, Romero a year ago. Oh, nice! And it was uh, Night of the Living Dead, and Classic. then I only, only just recently, like uh, a week or two ago, watched Dawn of the Dead for the first time. So
2: Day of the Dead oh, is shit. coming.
0: Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of new to the game.
2: Okay, you know we're okay. always,
0: we're always learning, we're always listening, we're always learning.
2: That's yeah. right. That's right.
3: Especially well, with around Dawn of this the time. Dead, you f- if you feel though, like some of that style came into play with Creepshow, especially here with the t- satirical. Oh, I mean, the, the relationship
2: and with, and the relationship with Savini too, right? Who, oh, right. Acts, yeah. who acts in both films too. And well, because sure. after Dawn of the Dead, man, like that's, that is the, the key one to drive you into Creepshow because like that made him mm-hmm. hot shit. Like that was like, you know, everyone knew his name um, and and alongside Stephen, uh, the quote unquote, the king of horror at this time, who was on the 1970s string of hits that included Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, The Stand, you know, The Dead Zone you know, fire starter, like 95% of those would end up getting movie adaptations. And so it, it kind of made sense for these two like commercial horror artists to kind of, um, link up and get on each other's radars, which they actually first did because, um, uh, King and Romero apparently had meetings because I guess Romero was going to try to adapt Salem's lot, uh, which mm. Toby Hooper would end up doing instead. Yes. And then, and then Romero also was going to do the stand at one point, which never came to fruition. But those oh. meetings that they had is why Stephen King makes a cameo appearance in uh, night riders, uh, in 1981. And what ended up being like, these two guys were like, dude, we, want to work together like two projects have fallen apart but we want to make something and so they eventually decided that they kind of had a connection over the fact that they both grew up reading these 1950s uh entertaining comics or ec comics which you know did these very sort of ghoulish and monster heavy you know tales from the crypt uh they did a couple of other um named ones as well, but they, and they did all kinds of genres too. They did sci-fi crime, fantasy, you know, military stuff. And, but it was a, it was comics with a very weird and kind of subversive, um, edge to it. Uh, and it was something that they brew both grew up reading and it was the kind of stuff that, you know, there was a moral panic about and parents were like, these comics are turning our kids into little (laughs) monsters and, and, and delinquents. And, you know, so this, this was very much, you can tell a nostalgia thing for these like two gods of 1970s horror, um, at at the time and they were you could tell that they just were like we want to go back to our like juvenile shithead days and I mean King always wants to go back to his juvenile shithead days Uh, (laughs) but he was like I'll drop the small town coming of age metaphor supernatural horror thing that like I always uh, do because I remember too we talked about the nostalgia horror thing of like Christine you know Mm -hmm. which seems like kind of the most like self-aware like critical of like wanting to go back but Stephen King always wants to go back to the 1950s this was like a rare chance for like Romero was like okay I'll 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 go along with you and so as a result we have this movie creep show a series of tongue-in-cheek satirical spooky campfire stories to tell in the dark uh type type shit but with a lot of wacky zany energy And as Rob was mentioning, vivid, colorful, like comic book panel uh, stylization, like like straight up. Like the kind of stuff you would expect of the guys who came up with Tales from the Crypt and then would shortly after move on to doing Mad Magazine because of the outrage over the kinds of graphic things they were putting in comics that kids were reading.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and even like I mean
3: I in true Stephen King fashion he has a, a, an abusive father like right away in the introduction here <laughs> as they do. Tom kind Atkins is the, the god. Oh, I,
0: I think he I think he's a pretty cool guy. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> see what's wrong with Tom Atkins. He's, oh, he's he just yeah. won- he, well, no, I'm the, I mean the guy. What, he's having a beer and he doesn't want his son looking at some stupid shit. What's wrong with that? So, so, so for those of you who, who have not seen the film, it opens with this uh, little monster movie nerd. Uh, he's reading these uh, comic books.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, his, his dad, who is Tom Adkins, the god, it storms into his room, takes his comic books, and is, is yelling about how my son is reading this crap. garbage. This yeah, this girl sucks.
1: sucks.
0: <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the son fucking outs tom atkins he goes what I, you got fucking playboys under your bed he's like why are you looking at my stuff you little snoop
2: anyway, <laughs> yeah, he fucking slaps uh, him across the face
0: yeah like he slaps the kid threatens yeah. him with a little more uh, the mom, the, the, the mom is crying a <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 it's just it, what family it, life is it, it, in the words of tom atkins in the movie he says that's why God made fathers.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> That's as, true.
0: As, as he pours himself a fucking Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> and, so and, and, awesome. and he's
2: like, next time, young man, I find you with a worthless piece of filth like this again, you won't sit down for a week, buddy boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. remember that shit. And you can just tell this kid is fucking pissed. And right outside yeah. his window, who would be out there but the hooded ghoul himself, the creep the the titular yeah. creep from from the creep show, you know, I would look watching the kid saying, you know, for his dad to to, to rotten hell. We get a great theme and an animated like comic panel title sequence that ends up being sort of like the sort of like dictator of sort of the flow of the shorts as we go in between each one and functionally the film operates as we are reading an issue of creep show number one. Although I, I did appreciate that there seems like they got a lot of advertisers and uh, stuff for Creepshow show number one. Um, but, but, and, and, and the art too is by actual EC comics artists. I, I found this out. Jack Kamen. So oh, this is cool. all, the, the, so, the, so this artwork uh, is actual EC comics artwork and it is bridging all of these sequences and, and, uh, images together. The rest of which is basically five, um, uh, short stories, which will, uh, you know, the one thing I like about talking about an anthology film on, on this podcast is, uh, you know, it, we get to actually just go through each one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we get we and now, but but maybe b- before we kick off, is is does anyone have like a, like a standout favorite, a hundred percent, or do you think, find that this is actually like a pretty consistent anthology film? Because I find most people's kind of issues with anthology films is like usually there's kind of like one that's really good and one that's really mediocre and one that's like you know. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite something say- to tide you over. Personally for this one anyway. I
0: I was I was going to say the exact same one. Something to tide you over and I can tell you my least favorite as well, which Mm. I believe might might be an unpopular opinion. Least favorite was the crate.
2: Oh, Oh, interesting. Okay, Okay, well, I'm excited to get into that. That's 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 a nice little that'll that'll tease people to listen for a little bit longer, because I think most people tend from what I could tell, just looking at people's reviews and stuff from from people that I follow and finding looking up some old contemporary reviews and stuff, too, from the time, it seemed like most people seem to really, really like the crate. But it's also uh, hard in an anthology film to also be the longest one. Um, you yeah. always feel like that one sometimes overstays its welcome in comparison to one that, like, for example, Father's Day, which I think is very simple, but it is in and out, and I, oh, you, do, yeah. you do have to appreciate... Um, you know, uh, one one that's that's uh, like that. Um, yeah. So the first one, Father's Day, is this uh, vicious little sort of like supernatural comeuppance and guilt tale of a, <laughs> a rich patriarch that's like not far removed from the kind of Edgar Allan Poe stuff we were talking about uh, last week. But in in this case, it's about the family's murder of the um you know sort of domineering uh, great grandfather um who uh similarly to the usher family earned his wealth in a bunch of horrible ways and in, in, including murder uh, but he is murdered by the their great aunt Bedelia, played by vivica linforce who is this like drunken guilt-ridden old like spinster woman essentially in a you know big hat like rolling up to her annual yeah. Dinner, yeah, the, the nearly first, crashing the, first the shot
0: car of her. <laughs> The first shot of her that we see, she's fucking, she's driving one hand, and then she's got a big fat cigar with a wood <laughs> tip. And, she, and she's like, kind of like Cruella Deville, but like if Cruella exactly. Deville was Lucrezia Martel a little
3: bit kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you're pretty much introduced right away to just a family that every single one of them is verbally abusing each other or stabbing each other in the back in some way it's it's it is like that's just family the way baby yeah exactly that's just another, family another private. there's a lot
2: of healthy family dynamics going on in this film yeah, Tom Atkins I, I slapping Stephen really King's see, son for I, him on screen I don't really
0: screen. see the problem <laughs> I don't really see the problem wait wait that, that is Stephen King's son Yeah, Joe Hill.
2: Yeah, it is. Stephen King was like, dude, I want to see my kid get fucked. I can't do it,
3: but we can make a film about it.
2: I can get Tom Atkins to do it from Halloween
0: (laughs) 3. My my man took a bomb of coke and he was like, you're in the movie. (laughs) Shut up. Go
2: get snapped, son. He was like, you you don't understand. It's self-reflexive, son. It's the the meta wraparound part of the movie. Um,
0: That's how I want to raise my boy.
2: Yeah, (laughs) but we get introduced to this great aunt Bedelia, who is, you know, she's been driven insane by her, you know, sickly father's kind of psychological abuse, mostly screaming at her for just like not getting his Father's Day cake ready fast enough. And and also he I think he he killed her husband in like a hunting accident, which we see in like a big Uh, flashback.
0: The claim was was that it was a hunting accident, but I, I think he was just like nobody's going to have my girl except for me yeah and that and- was kind of the
2: and, and, and it's a very sort of like cartoonishly st- um, stylized, kind of like hysterical flashback where she <laughs> bashes his brains in with a marble ashtray. And we're, we're learning about all of this basically through the perspective of her, the younger heirs of these like, you know, these wealthy sort of like vultures essentially. The Aunt Sylvia, played by Carrie Nee, nephew uh, Richard, played by Warner Shook, uh, the niece uh, Cassandra, played by Elizabeth Regan. And of course, her new husband, Hank, played by Ed Harris, um, the absolute
0: yeah. fucking god, dude.
2: That's Why? right. You know, t- god. Tom Atkins into Ed Harris. I'm having a good time. Oh
0: already. my god! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I, was, I, I was salivating. <laughs>
2: yeah. Ed
0: Harris with a beautiful head of hair.
2: That's oh, right. My. Incredible dance moves as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my grooving. god. He's vibing, man.
0: He was feeling. It. Okay, keep going.
2: Yeah, no, but, 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 but Ed Harris is the one who's, I guess, sort of like getting this introduction because the rest of the family are telling these stories about great aunt Bedelia and they're all kind of wondering, like, is there truth to this story? Is it just kind of like a family legend? Cause they all make fun of the old lady. Um, but, uh, quickly Bedelia's drunken confession to her father at his grave Uh, Where she appears to almost be like kind of like reliving the experience and hearing his cries and the slamming of his cane and him demanding his cake, she spills her whiskey on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, she does
0: this. She does this once a year, right? This is her regular tradition. Is every Father's Day she goes there with the. She goes home to the scene of the
2: crime.
0: yeah, yeah, and and she she spends an hour, uh, quote unquote, meditating over over her father that she killed, right? Yes, and she's just sw- swigging the bottle and blubbering. It's pretty
3: awesome. Yeah, it goes. For, yeah, it and, goes for a while. And, and, it's quite the performance.
2: <laughs> yeah, and 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 as she is doing this. Suddenly, his just like disgusting, rotted, like soil encrusted, maggot-filled, like Lucio Fulci-style yeah. zombie corpse just like pops out of the ground. The goopiest thing th- that you could
3: think of, like it's it's way over the top. The how wet this thing is, it's it's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, and I mean, like, there's a whole lot, and this is, like, the first, like, real burst of it, but there's, obviously, this is Romero, this is Tom Savini, they just did Dawn of the Dead together, so there's a lot of great visual craft, a lot of really great effects work. Obviously, they're trying to capture, like, the feel and tone of these comics, and their kind of ridiculous formula that a lot of them have of, you know, being very gruesomely cruel to characters, having a lot of sort of, like, black humor and sort of, like, juvenile wit about it, you know, kind of being very colorfully pulpy and you know but and 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 these guys are just like clearly very affectionately lovingly recreating the exaggerated style of it from like the canted angles the compositions the ridiculous acting styles at times like there's an animated energy to it that even when you're seeing something that's like obviously spooky a zombie about to come out and strangle this woman it's through like these bursts of like primary color lighting there's like a split diopter shot hitting Right on cue as the hand is coming out, uh, his you know, motivation it, it just is gives it this punch. Cake. <laughs> you know yeah exactly like there's a there's a there's an animated glee to even showing you this you know that this thing and it's very artificial and like studio but it also still has like that tangible practical effects work that's still gross so when he proceeds to strangle her to death and kill everyone it is just like you know it's it's really funny and it's silly where he's like where's my cake medelia like i want his father's day where's my cake and meanwhile he's just like using telekinetic powers to crush, crush ed, ed harris's harris. skull yeah. in the cemetery or you know just you know being you know getting one of doing them some like crazy, crazy. shit well, one so, of them is so super.
0: we kind of we jumped ahead a little bit so so mm-hmm. if he kills bedelia he he pops out he strangles bedelia meanwhile ed harris and company are back at the mansion fucking dancing up <laughs> a storm and he's then, lighting uh, like,
2: his matches like he's yeah, like Elliot Gould in the long goodbye. Yeah, he's going Elliot Gold in the yeah, long, he, goodbye. He's going
0: Ellie Gold <laughs> long goodbye mode. He's got Strike Anywhere matches, and man, he looks <laughs> good doing it. He really, <laughs> he's got the fucking stuff. Smoking the unfiltered Lucky Strikes or whatever he's smoking. And he goes yep. out for a walk because he was dancing a little too hard. Uh, I, I th- and, and it's clear they don't like him. He's clearly like a redneck from the country, and they're, they're, they're old money. And they don't like Ed Harris, so he goes mm-hmm. out. He has a cigarette, and he's walking. They're, they're waiting for Aunt Bedili to come, who never came because she got strangled by the old man. And mm-hmm. uh, he sees the 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 old bottle of Jim Beam. There's about a shot left. Picks it up and smells it. He look. He like sloshes it around. He looks both ways. And he's like, eh, fuck it. He's about to take a fucking swig, and then he trips. <laughs> and oh. he falls into <laughs> the grave next to the dead Ampedelia And then the tombstone of fucking grandpa comes and smashes his head.
2: Just that's right. Russia. Is, yeah. And I, I, and I, and I love in, the look of all of this, like the foggy family cemetery oh, right beautiful. outside. Like you got like you the, got.
0: OK, so we're talking Halloween Sheen. We got that's Frey right. Check. We got we got a full moon check. These are yep. all the tropes. This is what we yep. need.
2: Yep. You got like vines coming up the tombstones and stuff. Vines coming up the
0: tombstone.
2: It's it's what you want. It's it's everything you want. It's, and again, it's just there's something that's like artificially comic booky about it. But it's still the production design is still very very good. And yeah, very much gets me into that that headspace. Yeah, um,
3: I think the the one of the kills is just so blunt and violent. Where he just twists the head of the sister like inc- oh yeah, just, he just snaps incredibly her quick. neck like a fucking twig. Dude. Yeah, and you see, because of the Savini makeup too, you see like the twist of the skin and everything like that. It's it's pretty
2: wild. Yeah, Exorcist style spins, yeah. spins it right around. Well, and and this one obviously ends too on like one of the probably the the best images in in the entire film, which is the zombie patriarch taking the ant's head that he twists off, <laughs> putting it onto a silver platter and making his father's day cake out of it, complete with icing and candles on it. And he's like, I got my cake, you know, happy father's day. It's just, it's like such an amazing image that when it, when, when it turns into a comic (laughs) book panel of like the, you know, the, the other two uh, living family members, just like screaming, looking at this. It's just, it's like such an actual great comic book composition. And and, Um, and
0: you know what? Truly like it it is a total representation of the of creep show because when I'm looking at that image my thought is not oh my god that's terrible it's man looks like a good fucking cake
1: that's (laughs) hilarious
0: that's part of of the fun you're like damn that looks appetizing I would eat that bitch's head Yeah, I think we can
3: all agree, and, and, we and, and that is
0: that is that is creep show in a nutshell. You're watching it, you're like, "That's fucked up," but I'd have a slice of that shit.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and and that's part of the appeal of you know even EC Comics that it, you know it was meant to shock and it was meant to also provide a kind of like silly escape for kids who would get to see like you know, an annoying or an evil adult character just like literally get their perverse or ironic just desserts. And in the first case here, it literally is served as a dessert, but it's like this very grisly and it's this very mean spirited and funny dessert. Um, and yeah, that's it, like, it, it's a perfect way to open this cause it sets the tone for everything that you're about to watch where it's like, yeah, if that's just like not your tone, uh, you're watching the wrong movie, unfortunately, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> cause that's what the, that's yeah. what the rest of it is, is, is going to be. And that's the, that's the attitude these guys have. And these guys, you know, clearly are having so much fun uh, putting, putting that to screen. And the one thing I'm really happy about in this film in, in particular is just that, you know, there's so many films that. Get aim for a tone like that, like and and just they miss it because they don't actually put the effort behind the camera. They just kind of lean full parody style, but again. This is shot by Michael Gornick, who is Romero's DOP on Martin and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and the Savini makeup effects, obviously, who, you know, uh, the head explosion on Maniac, the carnival chaos of Texas Chainsaw 2. Um, you know, this is it's, it's so while this is being like conceived in the realm of parody, it is still filmed like the real thing. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that a couple times on the show that like it, the, the that's the ideal sort of like pastiche if you're going to make one something like last action hero where it has all that amazing energy to the film of like being this silly thing and pointing out the ridiculousness of certain genres and, 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 and tropes for a laugh and you know but still stylistically indistinguishable from the real thing enough that you're like this is a real movie you know, yeah. and this has yeah. like, so like this delivers on the goriness of, of that and gives you the ridiculous image that you, that you want out of it, which, uh, you know, the, the mileage may, may vary on some of the specific shorts as a result. Cause personally, sure. I think the second one is maybe the one where it goes the most like wacky parody, Definitely. uh, the lonesome death of Geordie. <laughs> it's pretty much just a comedy in a sense <laughs> uh, besides the, literally, the,
0: I yeah, uh, no, just, g- keep going, Jimmy.
3: Uh, just besides the general fear of like, something kind of consuming you that's completely unknown like that's definitely scary but just I mean having Stephen King do his like cross-eyed comical performance it's 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 very animated and uh it's almost like a three stooges kind of yeah yeah it's very um it's it's (laughs) hilarious honestly but it does take away what you kind of get that balance of horror and comedy that you get in some of the other ones so um, it is silly, very, very silly.
1: Yeah,
0: very silly. So, so to the listener, the the second short is the lonely death of Geordie Beryl, who is a farmer played by Stephen King. A meteor gets into his farm, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to be rich!" And you see his fantasy, and like the guy, <laughs> yeah, full
2: like backwoods yokel yeah, voice. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know?
0: and and in <laughs> his fantasy of him getting rich off of selling a meteor. I believe uh, the number he's getting is two hundred dollars.
3: Yes, and he's going to yeah. the Department of Meteors yeah, in his yeah. local college.
0: And 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 the farmer Jordy Verrill is played by Stephen King, who is going full bozo mode, <laughs> eyes crossed the entire time. And yep. the second this started, like two minutes into it, my first thought is, how have they never done a fucking Simpsons treehouse of horror? On this one, starring, uh, featuring Cletus the character.
2: Oh, like totally! Like it, that, it
0: it would have written itself. The whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. What if, what it, what if like,
2: Cletus was in the blob and saw the meteor crash? I could see. It. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so uh, Jordy Verrill, he he touches the meteor and it burns his fingers, and there's like a kind of a green residue. He's like, oh, yeah. this is fine, and then he pours water. <laughs> well, at first it. he's
2: like, ew, meteor shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 meteor shit. But, but, and but, then but, he, but then he's like, maybe I can glue it together in the morning, and like it'll be because because <laughs> yeah. he has because he has another fantasy too that like the meteor split in half is now worthless, and they won't pay him two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, to yeah, pay yeah. Off They reiterate. They reiterate.
1: they, reiterated. they
0: were like, you are not getting your two hundred dollars.
2: Yeah, they were like, this it man is, is the so most awesome. like moronic, impulsive person who like clearly I mean this is one of the things where I, I'm curious how people would read it because so much of EC Comics was kind of about like characters very much like deserving a comeuppance and this is the one character where that gets the most out of whack like this guy's not like evil or ab- he's, no, he's stupid yeah he's, he's just trying to pay off a
3: loan <laughs> you know he's, he's just trying to he's a working man Uh and then yeah and then yeah. he starts like fantasizing he's, he's there's, I think head. there's a third one where he fantasizes about But getting the 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 things off, and it's like incredibly painful and all of that. But once again, it's done very cartoonishly and uh that's kind of the style well, of well, it.
2: well because it's, it's worth noting he like he gets that shit spilt on his hand and as a result he starts realizing that his skin and his house and the things that he's touching his property are starting to grow this very aggressive alien vegetation essentially just like you know evil grass yeah you know aggressive yeah. grass <laughs> is, is, is it, 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 t- t- it
0: kind of reminded me of the the hair bit from body bags with stacy <laughs> peach
2: it's so oh, yeah. fucking good. Yeah, because when he when he yeah, cause he's trying to get the long, luscious, like metal head locks yeah. and then they actually starts growing <laughs> like everywhere on him and stuff. It's a good yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Body Bags is a little uneven, but it's but it's fun. I like the yeah. John Carpenter shortened it too. We were well, always gonna bring it up later because it's one of those ones I like it's such an overt like creep show is why that movie exists. Sure. Like creep show, the sure, popularity right. is why you know something like that came out. But yeah, the Stacy Keach hair one and that is great. And uh, yeah, it's very very similar to this except for that Stephen King is again he's a moron, so he's like, well, I'm just gonna ignore that and I'm just gonna watch wrestling on TV and, and chug just, like, vodka, get drunk. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, for at first he's drinking, uh, he's just having a beer and then he, he like his body is turning into a fucking little like a gillyweed suit. And then <laughs> yeah. he's like I need and to he's get, having I anxiety field fantasies. He's fucked up. He's like <laughs> That's I need right. to get fucked up. This sucks. So he yeah, put, he, because he because the first thing is he's
2: like juice. he's like I'm literally going to call the doctor. Juice. And yeah, the doctor yeah. is like – "I'm." he imagines the doctor w- pulling out a meat cleaver to be like, well, we're just <laughs> yeah. going to chop your hand yeah, off. Yeah, cutting sir.
0: off your <laughs> fingers. Yeah, because it starts off just his fingers and then he's imagining the doctor will be like, we're going to have to cut off your fingers. He's like, no, 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 which, you know, at this point it's like, man, he should have just had the doctor come and
3: cut <laughs> off his fingers. Yeah. yeah. Got a little yeah. but well, and, so and,
0: then he's like he's like, I need to get fucked up so he,
1: he
3: gets he
0: fucked up like in a, the funniest way I've ever orange, seen he, he gets a jug of orange juice He pours it in a pitcher And then he, he's like looking for booze He finds a bottle of vodka He's like oh thank god He <laughs> pours it in the in the jug of orange juice And this and he was stirs my favorite it. Yeah he stirs it with the bottle I, It was so <laughs> I've cool I've never I seen bottle. that I was, before I, was, awesome. I loved it I, I took a That's note specifically I was like that is a god – it reminded me of – I think I Stephen King came up with this. that one for sure. Well, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There there was a clip of uh, Conan O'Brien going to hang out with Hunter S. Thompson. And they're <laughs> at his like ranch where he has a shooting range. Yeah. And uh, they're shooting guns and then he has like a little, little butler giving them drinks and Hunter S. Thompson, like, sticks his finger in Conan's drink. He goes, this is how we fucking mix it. And he mixes it around with his finger. <laughs> kind of reminded me of that. Anyways,
3: um, is that the same one where he ends up in a so, gunfight with his neighbor, too?
0: I, I don't know. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> so, stuff, so we got Jordy Verrill. He's getting fucked up off the orange juice and vodka. And he's Grass is growing everywhere. Time.
2: The makeup effects by Tom Savini are pretty fucking incredible of this shit just growing all over his body. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. And then he's yeah, like, he's like, OK, what would make me feel better? I should have a fucking bath. And then <laughs> and then his brain is like, Jordy, you moron, you wonkhead. Like the water is what they want. You don't yeah, like, his you ghost don't want father it.
2: appears in the mirror yeah, to remind yeah, no, him that like water. dude, put him. two and two it's together father, grass right. what do you do to it you water it bro yeah. like think about that for a second and that he's like, in like in that's why th- it split the beauty but, but, in but half. then he's like
0: I don't care he's like I don't care I feel too bad so I, I,
2: I do love <laughs> the choice in the filmmaking that even the water like looks seductive it's like shimmering like the alien is like literally manipulating him to go into it
0: beautiful shots of the whole thing
2: Yeah. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. Just him drawing a warm bath. He's like, wouldn't you be less itchy in here? You know, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Jordy Verrill, come on in. And he just dives right in. And obviously, eventually, too, it ends up just growing everywhere. It's all over him. He and, literally and is just this giant walking like grass alien man,
3: <laughs> which does lead but to like, like one of my favorite images of these shorts, even though this one isn't, you know, my favorite short by any means, which is the shotgun moment that Savini just absolutely <laughs> oh my nails God. It's so fucking cool. Like, he's so despairing in his vegetative form. He's like, stick a double barrel in
2: my mouth. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It it
0: went from being like the the comic relief uh, short to being like the saddest ending. (laughs) Because, like, the whole thing is just about this poor fucking idiot farmer who's down on his luck, right? Mm -hmm. And he thinks he hits it big. He thinks he finds this meteor. He's going to be rich. And then he becomes a fucking grass monster. <laughs> and then now he's a fucking grass monster. He's got a shotgun in his hands, but, like, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to successfully kill himself. And, like, his final words are, please, just let me be ha Good luck for once, and by <laughs> having good luck, he's, <laughs> he's saying, "Let me be able to successfully kill myself." Yeah, that is so depressing.
2: Oh, it I is. Okay, look, so all it,
0: bad. It goes it from Stephen King's Cokehead
2: side to his like drunken side by yeah. the end. Okay,
1: yeah, it, it
3: the,
0: really, the ending the of it made me feel so goddamn.
3: <laughs> it is. It is bad. And like the way that it's done is one consistent shot where you see like him, his his head kind of moving as he's talking. Um, he's he's completely you know covered in this point, so you can't really see his mouth, but you see movements. And he has the shotgun set up, and he, the, Savini does an amazing headshot and everything. And it's all in one consistent shot. So I imagine they have him like lower, and there's a cover of some kind for the for the head explosion. But it's uh, it looks so good it's 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 really incredible and yeah it, it, it is pretty sad given what the yeah, rest well, of and, the Yeah and this is one is. of
2: the one of the only ones previously based on a, a Stephen King magazine short that he had already written called Weeds mm-hmm. um and I didn't get a chance to read it but everyone that I everything I found about it uh, led me to believe that it wasn't like a funny short at all that it was like an entirely just like tragic brutal short story oh, and wow. so for the movie to to kind of blend it with the rest of to make King's work kind of feel more like an EC comics thing. I think that's when they started heightening. That's when they decided to add the goofy aspect of it. And also apparently it's worth noting that the original cut of this film was nearly three hours long. And they couldn't, you know, they were trying to decide if they were gonna like just cut an entire story, or if they were gonna tr- cut certain, you know, ones down. And because they obviously ended up getting this down to two hours, and from what I could tell from one of the interviews I saw with one of the editors, because there was like four editors on this thing, um this was the one that was decided upon to cut down the most. And I'm not sure mm. if that was because they felt that King's performance was a little wonky, or I, <laughs> I don't know. But they were like the Jordy verrill short uh, or uh, segment was the one that absolutely took the most of a running time cut
3: I wonder if it was just of him m- more of him realizing that it's growing on his body like just more freak out moments or something like that I'd yeah. be curious
2: but. yeah I don't, I don't know but I, I I don't mind it at all but it is one that yeah. I could see how it could maybe overstay its welcome if it was just more of him being a dumb yokel for totally. like 20
1: minutes oh, or something totally. yeah. like
2: as as is I think it works and I think Rob's right too that you know maybe you know the, the sudden change from goofiness to just like absolute like depression shotgun to the head as like an alien <laughs> vegetation and and the grass just ends up spreading everywhere yeah. and that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. end of the short no. like the whole world's doomed <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well so but when when the last shot so the last shot is uh it's showing that that it's not just uh jordy verrill who's becoming a grass monster the whole world is becoming all grass and in my yes. notes i i wrote down nature is healing itself we are the virus <laughs> <laughs>
3: there
0: you go
2: absolutely yeah that's right that's right that's right, that's right. but uh but following Jordy Verrill, we have what it sounds like might be an agreed upon, like kind of like favorite segment. This was the one that kind of oh surprised me god, the most. Um, something the to one. tide you over, which is um, maybe my favorite one, because number one, it has the god of uh, of silly pranks uh, <laughs> and 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 mugging. Mr. Leslie Nielsen of all these Zucker and Abrams movies, uh, Airplane, The Naked That's Gun, a funny man. Uh, Some of the later scary movie sequels for anyone uh, who's who's a fan there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's essentially him just going sadistic beachside jigsaw mode on a young, (laughs) handsome pre cheers Ted Hansen. Which to me, when I first like found out like that, that's what it was. I was like, "Oh, this should absolutely be the funniest one." Like, that's such a ridiculous right. concept, but it is weirdly enough like the bleakest <laughs> yeah. and like st- most straight faced in terms of of mood. It is one of the darkest ones because even yeah. though Leslie Nielsen's like a silly performer, he plays this rich dude pissed that his wife is cheating on him with such like vindictive glee, and he's like, you know, when he's pulling up to the house and he's playing a tape of his wife just like begging for help and like making her lover, Ted Danson, like go for a drive with him so he can uh, see her, which is, you know, basically what the serial killer does in like the vanishing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He plays like, self-satisfaction the entire time.
3: Uh, Like there's so many uh, uh, images of him just like laying on the bed, looking at what goes on and we'll get into the details. And he's just so satisfied with himself, smirking and drinking and just celebrating what he's, he's done to these people. It's fucking, it's, it's a crazy Leslie Nielsen performance, honestly. It's, it's great. And I like how it just, uh, it just starts like right away. He just gets to the door and this whole interaction begins where he's going to, you know, Take him and, and teach him a lesson. It, it doesn't waste any time whatsoever. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, my,
0: my favorite. So, so, to the listener again, the, 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 the short opens with uh, Leslie Nelson confronting the man, Ted Danson, who is sleeping with his wife, right? And Ted Danson's like, look, sorry. This, just, this is how it happened. She wants out, whatever. You don't even love her. And he's like, you're right. I don't fucking love her, but I don't give a shit because I own her. And Yeah, it's, it's like, a point of <laughs> honor. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't like people fucking around with what I own, and I own her. So I'm going to teach you a lesson. So he's like, why don't you come, come, come with me? Let's take a ride. He's like, I'm not going anywhere with you. He's like, oh, yeah? Well, she's gone. I see her again. You'll come with me. Like, oh, I guess I gotta go. So he takes him to a drive to the beach, and they digs a hole, and he's like, "Get it! and he buries Ted Danson to the neck. It's terrifying, and he's he's really playing it so uh, you forget he's like a very good actor because you just remember him from Naked Gun, Airplane, Scary Movie three, whatever. He but yeah. he there is this like cold, sick. Uh, presence there. And and he's saying things like, oh, no, I'm I'm just insane. (laughs) He's trying to just say, yeah, no, I'm not sane. I don't care about this woman, but I'm not sane. Yeah. I'm just a man of principles like <laughs> it's like what
3: I uh I actually remember this was one of the movies I never saw it in full when I was younger but when I was flipping through channels around Halloween time um I I still was aware of Leslie Nielsen because I'd seen other scenes where he was doing parodies and stuff so I always thought of him as a a comedy guy so I, I was just flipping through channels and I saw this uh scene where you see Ted Danson with his you know his he's buried up to his neck Leslie's saying what he's saying and there is still a little bit of tongue-in-cheek just because of Leslie's character so I was thinking in the context of whatever I was watching it was kind of a, a parody but I remember thinking that being buried up to your neck as the the water's coming is the most like one of the most terrifying thoughts that I can actually think of uh, for me personally anyway I'm kind of claustrophobic so that's a that's a huge thing um,
2: oh, yeah. I so, was like, how different is it than like The Vanishing when he's right. all of a sudden you're in a coffin buried underground and you're just like going to, you know, you know, suffocate to death, basically. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And so I just, it, it was um, interesting. Like, this is, this image at least has just stuck with me for, for years and years and years. And so to finally see it in context too was great. Um, Cause I went, like I said, this is my favorite short of, of the bunch.
0: I, I'm yeah. now realizing that there is no homage to this in. Uh friend of the show Eli Roth's film uh, uh knock,
2: knock 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 oh that's yeah right, totally yeah. Keanu buried up into his hand yeah. absolutely yeah. Um, Wa-
0: watching watching the iPhone anyway oh yeah, so back yeah. Back to- that, that, I, I was
2: gonna say that, that, that that's true one of my favorite details about this is at you know he after driving Ted it to his beach house at Comfort Point which is obviously a very good bit yeah. um and 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 having him you know uh, buried neck deep onto the, the tide will consume him and drown him uh, he also whips out like the tv vcr like security broadcast combo of his wife becky who was already in the same equivalent like saw trap essentially yeah, where he's just like else. you know you know, she's she's already, you know, drowning essentially. And, and and Leslie Nielsen, I think just because it's such in stark contrast to how ridiculous Stephen King played his performance, like Leslie Nielsen, even delivering ridiculous lines like, you know, if you don't lose your heads, you'll have a chance to, you know, like wait out the seawater and stuff. Like, obviously, he's he's being like a, a bit of a prankster and he's maniacally laughing and like sipping a cocktail and everything. But I don't know. There's something about it that just in in terms of tone, it feels just more unpleasant. There's like a yes. pounding kind of synth score to it. He goes from kind of enjoying watching them drown on screen to just like playing it out for a long like an atmospheric length of time to the yeah. point where it kind of just becomes like just dark and like It's just torture we're just at a Watching a, certain a guy point. drown to death. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> you, you, they do
3: actually spend a, some some time kind of building the suspense of the water getting more and more um oh, like it's overcoming them more and more. Um, I remember that one, there's one shot where he looks back at the uh, the television and you see for the very first time, um, Rebecca's like head get completely covered by water and her scream as she does it. And it's just, it, it it's, it is honestly terrifying. It's one of the more horrifying things that you see in the movie, I would think. And they just linger yeah. on it. <laughs>
2: And that great image of Ted Danson's head completely submerged underwater. Oh, after, that's like vowing that he was going to get him just like angrily staring his hair, looking like he's like a Dragon Ball Z character or something. Just yeah. Like and, and there's everywhere. a there's
0: like a red coloring, too. Right. Like,
2: yeah.
0: There's a red glow coming off of his face.
3: Yeah. 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 He does kind of. Yeah, I mean, that's almost almost dead already. That kind of thing
2: yeah well and that's one of the things too i i like is that the the sudden bursts of like color when something crazy animated like that happens Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden a monster will jump out and like a a a piece of like red lightning will strike behind them and then like a character's face will react to it all shocked and they'll disappear into like some like what looks like a like a green screen background and like their faces will get lit up by like a a giant like tungsten light with like a turquoise filter on it or something like that you know um and what's great about uh, this is besides it doing a little bit of the like the jigsaw
3: thing i guess too uh where he's watching them in his bed and drinking like we we kind of previously said they also do end up doing a little bit of uh the fog where it's like a ghostly sea zombie coming to get them or get him specifically um so it's cool how it takes all these different uh the, the, these different ref these different references i guess it's um it's a very like
2: uh dynamic short story well because he later goes out to what dig the tape out of the water and there's no sign of his body there anymore he's like ah, eh, you know whatever things get taken by the tide it's just, that's just how it works you <laughs> know um and uh you know he's just you know Nielsen's just walking around in his track suit trying to decide which of his various murder tapes he's going to watch for fun that night which again it sounds like ridiculous <laughs> while I'm describing it but it's just I don't it's kind of dark oh yeah <laughs> um, and and then obviously in the EC comics fashion you know it's not over until this guy has had his punishment or his comeuppance you know the spooky ooze hit the soundtrack all that like old school sort of like sci-fi horror vibe it almost sounds like there's like a theremin going during the part when the you know the water Waterlogged monsters of, you know, the the uh, two characters he's just killed, Ten Danson and his wife, uh, are coming across through the security cam um, footage. These like zombie like shadows begin to make his way into the house while he's showering. These images of fog and aquarium tanks and these like canted angles of like his like thick 80s carpet as like the the wet feet are hitting it and stuff like that. And then love the shadow on the door as Mm. he's about to pull it open, and he yanks it open. It's that huge, just, like, punch-in, canted angle. You could imagine the comic book panel of it, of just these, like, green corpses, like, drenched in seaweed, just, like, walking their way in like zombies. He's, like, shooting them in the head with his gun, and they're, like, actually leaking out, like, green group everywhere. It's
0: disgusting. It's horrible. And and what's so great about, uh, like, Leslie Nielsen Is that so? So, in the beginning of this short, he's so terrifying and scary, but 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 once he thinks he kills them, he's back to being goofy, wacky. (laughs) Leslie Nielsen, he's watching them, he's laughing like a psycho, and then even when he's being haunted by them, he's like, "Ah!" (laughs) it's it's kind of weirdly funny, and where like there's something wacky and silly about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is not Mm -hmm.
0: how he was at the beginning of the short, you know, the, the performance changes. And I think it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was intended. I don't know if it's like something he just can't help himself, but be kind of wacky. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah well he's, and, he's and, and the character is naturally getting more hysterical right as these zombies sure. with their like sure. bubbly voices you can't hear through their like rotted throats and they're reaching out for him and yeah he just gets a lot more like sweaty and wide-eyed and yeah, you know yeah, the, yeah. And, and, and and it is a bit of a ridiculous situation to be in and obviously a hugely <laughs> ironic situation to be in for him and my favorite uh part is when obviously when the zombies enter a room They have like this lighting setup that is like the zombies are in the room. Everything is lit to make the whole room almost look like the same (laughs) rotted color as them. Yeah. And there's a part where Leslie Nielsen, he, you know, manages to get himself into the bathroom. He locks himself in and the lighting changes back to normal because he's back in his bathroom. And, you know, he's, and he's like, oh my God, thank God I escaped though. Turns around (laughs) and like a classic comedy beat, but it's a jump scare. Bam the zombies are actually In the bathroom and disappearing right Behind him and the neon greens And blues instantly hit back in Again he's like you you can't fucking escape this You can't you know (laughs) yep and uh awesome. th- they're taunting him being like if you can hold your breath if you can hold your breath and you know trying to drive him insane like a vincent price character or something and then they do actually end up burying him the exact same way and just Leslie Nielsen being like i can hold my breath for a long time <laughs> you like know a hysterical <laughs> confidence yeah <laughs>
3: yeah it's great awesome. that, that that that's my Wonderful. favorite for sure
2: yeah Absolutely. that one that one that one that one is a blast um and uh the one right after that is definitely the longest one and definitely the one they commit the most to and is the other clocking one clocking in is,
0: at 38 minutes
2: oh wow it's pretty long 38
0: minutes yeah
2: and it, it is the one that is also the other one based on a previous stephen king um short And I think with this one, the reason it appears to be the one that got uh, cut the least of any of them is because there is a pretty intensely mean perspective to it that I do think they found incredibly funny. And they just wanted to keep indulging with further and and, and further. And this one (laughs) is called The Crate. Uh, um, And it has two intersecting threads to it. Uh, One (laughs) is a university janitor named Mike, played by Don Kiefer, who discovers a weird cobweb-covered wooden crate behind a grate under the stairs of the university he works at, labeled June 1834 Arctic Expedition Julia Carpenter. Uh, Is Mm -hmm. this a shout-out? Is Mm -hmm. this the thing? You know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I saw it. I picked Um, it up. Uh, to, to to which he calls Professor Stanley uh, to help him out with at a fal- faculty party uh, where we get introduced to the other section of, of this, where we see him hanging out with his best friend and colleague, the very straight laced and timid professor named Henry, played by Hal Holbrook. Who is this character very dominated by his drunk and obnoxious and abusive wife, uh, uh, Wilma? Just call me Billy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And played by the incredible Adrian Barbeau, whom a lot of people will should remember as the radio DJ from The Fog, speaking of Jamie's The Fog reference. There's a lot of Carpenter yeah, going on in here. There is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Carpenter's and, and, got Halloween vibes, Halloween mindset. He, he is the Halloween absolutely guy. So cool. you know? She is absolutely. not as soft spoken <laughs> in this
3: performance. <laughs>
0: And, and and to be clear, like, what, what Josh is saying, like, really every scene with this guy and his wife is very much like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when they're speculating about whether Cliff Booth killed his wife or not, the scene mm-hmm. leading up to it, <laughs> every scene that he's interacting with his wife is like that. Like, she's <laughs> just being a drunk bitch, and like <laughs> and all of his friends are like, god damn or it also re- it reminded me of that and it reminded me of the beginning of uh godfather 2 when fredo's with his wife and she's like she's like this is why you never marry a wop <laughs> <When> she's just <laughs> flunk, falling over the dance floor her titties around me, that, that's the whole fucking vibe and so it remind me of those two brilliant uh scenes yeah like her everyone absolutely hates being around this woman so yeah yeah, they all hate it and he's just like she's yelling at him and he's literally fantasizing about killing her in the first time he fantasizes
2: i lost my mind when he just whips out like the fucking six shooter and dirty hairy fucking domes her her. like i was like (laughs) holy shit and and, and not only that everyone everyone cheers cheers. they all
0: clap they all fucking clap they're like it's awesome
3: (laughs) he's thinking in his head he's like you all agree
2: you all want this too not just me (laughs) yeah yeah, but he you know he 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 doesn't have the uh the, the balls to really follow through on it and every time he imagines, you know, strangling strangling her with a tie or something, he just snaps out of these fantasies fantasies and she just like further belittles him or emasculates him or mocks him for, you know, wanting to play chess with his friend or, you know, yeah. <laughs> having to work, you know, or whatever. I love how uh, um, it
3: turns into like it's got this completely normal lighting that you'd find in any, you know, suburbia or whatever. And then, as soon as he turns into like the strangle or something, it goes into that red giallo lighting right away. I love the changes that they do consistently throughout the the shorts. They're great. Yeah, yeah. And, well, so, so, yeah. You
0: gotta. Yeah, I
2: was gonna say his 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 part is uh you know sort of building entirely on its own. And you might be like, well, okay, how is this guy who you know wants to kill his wife? How is this gonna interact with the these other segment yeah, of Stanley the and the janitor? Crate? Who who are you know chisel wedging their way into this crate and like ominously ripping the nails out you know it's pretty tightly sealed I don't know if you should be opening this guys although I gotta say I love the cartoon like production design like how big the the crate is and the giant chains on it and and everything how long it takes them to open
3: it they literally show like every
2: single nail coming out of that that crate oh yeah they're really building tension of being (laughs) like you know what what the fuck is in here and they hear little like mogwai sounds like inside it there's a little furry (laughs) monster and it, it. it, and it's basically, like, you know, this, like, furry, like, yeti critter with, like, giant, it, it like, basically snarling fangs. It looks like
0: a cartoonish gorilla. It's not, like, see, that that's the kind of the problem I had with it, is that the monster... Oh, you didn't like the creature? It, it, it oh, just looked I like did. a big gorilla. It, like, it, it, it wasn't does. that special to me
2: but anyway apparently it was supposed to be based on the tasmanian devil which is why it has like like, that sudden like chaotic like i'm just gonna like yank someone and destroy them i get that yeah um i get that although and 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 i do think that romero and savini get to have the most some of the most fun with the violence here of just having the janitors like arm yanked into the crate and the blood is dripping yeah, no, down it, and we can hear it. You can hear it like gnawing on his hand and then he pulls him deeper and he pulls his head in and then blood is gushing down his entire like torso and stuff. And then he drags the whole body and he's like bite by bite. He's just like swallowing this guy. It's a yeah. very uh, gruesome effect.
3: And then he like yeah. later on too, you see um I think that same guy, he escapes after he sees the janitor get killed and he runs to tell one of the students what's going on. And they go
2: into inspect. it. One of the annoying yeah. grad students who's just like, "Well, I'm not sure if I believe you. What if we measured the boot?" And I was like, "Great idea. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, yeah. bud. And look what happens." Well, wait, no, no, but the But, whole but, but movie. you know
0: what's ridiculous? Wasn't that guy campus security?
3: The guy was like a prefect the, or something. Uh, maybe. Okay,
0: maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I they're like, I, I, "Let's yeah, I call have campus it. security." Okay, no, no, I think that might have been me. Uh, Crossing dialogue for yeah, because I think you. I, I, I,
2: I think you're right. I, I, I think the teacher suggests that they like call security like or the cops or something. Security.
0: And then the kid pops up, and then for some reason the kid's I like, "No, like, let's not call anyone.
2: Let's investigate yeah, it ourselves." Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he goes he goes in inside, and the the giant fucking monster claw slashes his face completely open. He bites into his neck, and it's like this awesome, like chunky gore and huge blood spurts, like classic yeah. Tom Savini, like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Uh, you know, biting no, and, and, and gore effects. Yeah, and this guy's just hungry, man. He's just you know he just wants to hang out in his little corner underneath the staircase. And, My you know, man has it.
0: been locked in a box for fucking two hundred years.
2: Yeah, or, that's
0: right. He's right, one hundred fifty. One hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah, he's hungry. <laughs> he wants a fucking Big Mac, and you know what? If it's a, if it happens to be a grad student, he'll take it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 the and the thing that this short really has going for it that I think most people latch onto is is the fact that you're like well there's this monstrous little creature aspect and there's this guy who hates his wife and the <laughs> idea that they come up to connect these stories that's so classic easy comics like perversely grim And like, just like, you know, you know, very, you know, mean spirited and ghoulish, but in like this way that's meant to be really cathartic for this guy that we're identifying with Mm -hmm. is, you know, you know, Stanley showing up to his buddy Henry's place hysterical, relaying all the story of this horror he's seen. And he hears all this and all he can think about is. Wow, He's there's like, a little oh, monster that's, yeah, that's yeah. getting rid of bodies and killing people uh, and yeah, destroying that's them. Not a mm. idea.
0: I don't have the balls to do it myself, but the monster, you know,
2: he could. Um, I, I see. I see how we could, you know, come to a but, compromise but, here. But I will,
0: I will say that's kind of that's kind of what my issue uh, with the short was, and I'm not hmm. usually like a nitpicky guy, but. It felt really long and I didn't really understand what the necessity for the juxtaposition of the two uh, professors was. Because it could have just been this guy with his bitch annoying wife and then the guy's like, I found a crate. And then he – it's just him. He calls him and he's like, oh, I know who I can send here. I didn't understand the need for the relationship. It just, to mm, like just the best friends dragged. aspect of it yeah 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 because then even then like they didn't really um, play up on that enough uh, like and then at at one point uh, the one guy is trying to break up with Henry like he's trying to friendship break up with him he's like I don't want to play chess with you I've got some 19 year old undergrad I'm trying to bang <laughs> like and but they kind of don't really play up on that enough and then i I, I do like that he
2: uses that for his gossipy note yeah no that is
0: good that is good when he's like (laughs) what's great is the letter that he writes his wife is like pretty like uh if if it were true it would be like really scathing his buddy and his wife is just reading it like oh what kind of stuff did he get into now it's like uh you're laughing about this like like it's just gossip like it sounds like he's cleaning up his buddy is like brutal horrible assault of like a student and she's like oh yeah. that guy he's crazy like, he's yeah. Under- yeah and, and yeah.
2: also she's like prepared to go and help she's like you know you, you always yeah. know what she's to like, do in oh, a situation i, I kind of like just want to
0: see yeah yeah i want to see what he got himself into
2: <laughs> yeah but i also really like the um the like the just the shooting and editing of that whole sequence where like this is a totally expository sequence of her reading this letter about this information sure. but it's also cut together with him like cleaning up and like setting the stage to like lure and trap his wife in there's this very moody like piano score kicking in while he's mm-hmm. like planning the murder and the cross cutting of her reading the note and walking her way down and and it's yeah it's a, it's a it's a very moodily done little sequence where you're just totally perversely swept up like this guy's scheme to murder his wife and the 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 short has had you identify with like uh you know she's kind of annoying you kind of want to see the monster get her and also this monster's hungry and you know so it's kind of (laughs) like we are killing two birds with one stone and the short kind of gets you to identify with that perspective which is why i think it's considered like the most like you know kind of you know mean spirited and perverse in 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 the way that it is and how Holbrook too is pretty good the way that he's like yeah. laughing with excitement and nervousness when it actually comes time like he's kind of like fucking it up honestly she's getting confused as to why he's behaving the way he's behaving and when he tries to push her in and like awaken the beast to eat her he's like shoving her up against the crate and there's like this delayed fake out so she just starts like berating him and she's just like yeah. what are you doing like you know you're a regular barnyard <laughs> yeah, exhibit really you know good. Yeah, she starts
3: attacking his manhood saying he's bad and bad saying he's a horrible husband just
2: degrading him you got shit for brains you're no good at making money and finally the creature the the creature himself just gets like annoyed and starts (laughs) and and eats her
0: (laughs) man man it is it is only now occurring to me how good would it have been if it was george c scott
2: Oh yeah, oh, awesome. <laughs> can and you Oh, well, I mean, imagine, no, to be fair, you could say that about, about so like so many things. Most things, every
0: movie, like. yeah, but especially
1: this. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is, that 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 is like pure, like just him like just getting him the fucking Matt. Ima- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah shut up, Billy! Just throwing her in the fucking crate. Oh my god. Anyway. Um, but, but then it ends with um, – so, so he he cleans up the the three bodies? It's three, right? It's, yeah. it's the two guys that died accidentally and then his wife. And then he throws the crate in the ocean or the lake, whatever, wherever he throws it. And then he's telling yeah. his buddy – I drove out there like, with the remains yeah, of
2: three human yeah, beings. Yeah. Well, two human, and human beings and Wilma <laughs> –
0: yeah 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 that is a great line that is a great line (laughs) but so yeah he's telling his buddy he's like look i cleaned it up but but you can't tell anybody because one you would be part of incriminating yourself yeah Yeah. you would be incriminating yourself so now you have to play chess with me whenever i want (laughs) he's like (laughs) <laughs> literally he's bullying him and the guy cuz because the guy tried to do a friendship breakup with him at the beginning of the film
2: and yeah uh, he tried and he tried to do a friendship breakup i think it it's, it seemed implied because he doesn't like that his wife comes to his wife. party so maybe now uh, so maybe that yeah. the wife's gone he will just <laughs> well, play so, chess so with her yeah. so that
0: that was you know? that was kind of like why i wasn't fully sold on this film is because it felt like there was more there that was even that was underdeveloped at the mm. same time there was too much going on so it was <laughs> like why do you have all these fires in like in in the why are you cooking too much you could just make this simpler you know what i mean
2: mm-hmm. that's true that they, they, they definitely could have they my definitely could have leaned it and made it you know a little bit more focused on it, just it
0: really uh, it really could have just been the guy trying to kill his wife the other, in my opinion, I it would have worked the same exact way because I don't think they did enough with the actual juxtaposition between the two professors to justify it.
3: Yeah, I don't. I would say I, I don't think I it that. needs to be the longest one. Um, it does seem just if you're looking at pure narrative, it actually does seem to be fairly simple. It's just that it's kind of bloated in its idea before it finally gets there. Because um, I was having a little bit of trouble uh, just with the length, in a sense that I wasn't sure when these two things were going to meet, and at a certain point, but bef- before it actually does, because then it kind of works, but uh, there is like a middle ground where you kind of feel um, a little disconnected. At at, at least I did. Yeah. So um, yeah, really and, and, and this, honestly, this
2: one just at, based at, on at the two carnage. hours this is, there. there is a little bit of length to it. I think some people who maybe are less of a fan will actually say that, you know, it, it, it's, it's, there's a little bit of unevenness and, mm-hmm. and inelegance to some of the way that this is, um, structured. Some of that is just kind of inherent to anthology films, which are like by their nature, always like starting and stopping. Yeah. Um, right. and, you know, and every once in a while, yeah, it's like, if you're going to throw one 40 minute one in there, yeah, you know, you really need to, you know, uh, tighten that up or you need to justify it in a way and yeah it's i I think it's possible for sure that they 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 could have uh if there was one to lean up the longest one seems like the most obvious candidate (laughs) but also you can tell that it was the one that i I guess they felt really passionate about it was the one they felt they could cut the least from i do Um, like a lot of the small
3: details like we said that that scene where they actually show the whole procedure of taking like bringing the crate open and everything is really good. All the sequences when he fantasizes about killing his wife are very funny. Yeah, Like some some of the
2: directing sequences, it has some of the strongest ones for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but moving on to the last one here, they're creeping up on you. Uh, name the, 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 uh, The one that has the the, the word creep in it. Uh, (laughs) This one is about a a hermetic uh, evil businessman played by a grumpy E.G. Marshall who is essentially doing like a 1980s Howard Hughes like germaphobe antics performance as this like Mm -hmm. claustrophobic one man show locking himself up in this like high tech antiseptic penthouse apartment spending his entire day's Yelling at his employees over the phone, delighting in corporate takeovers, not because they make him more money because they result, but because they result in the suicide of his competitors. And he was just like, you know, (laughs) he's stoked about it. He's, he's just he's, is like he's a, mo- a cartoonishly it's monstrous kit. character. If there's anyone who deserved the most EC Comics come comeuppance, it's this guy. <laughs>
3: yeah, like one of the like after he finds out that one of the board of uh, directors or something, some someone that I'm assuming is going to give him more power of some kind or had a vote that he didn't want him to have, they find out that he uh, kills himself and he talks to the wife, I believe, and and he's just like, oh great, now I don't have to fire him and things like that. Like he has, yeah, old saying, Norman went out with a.
2: Bang, didn't he? (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah, it's just absolutely (laughs) cold. And it is so evil that it becomes kind of funny. It does take that kind of uh, full circle. It becomes
0: hilarious. Oh, yeah. It is is so evil that it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I was like, kind of, I was like, man, imagine if you did a version of this, this type of a thing with like. I don't know, like an Elon or like an Andrew <laughs> Tate type of guy. Like, that just, I was like, I was like, there's
3: something here. We, you like, you could, you could kind of reheat this. It, it is kind of hilarious that you can go, just go on the internet right now and and find somebody that acts exactly like yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It
2: was- <laughs> yeah. yeah, just j- just torturing hysterical, grieving wives, and you know, cu- You know, b- basically wishing pain and death and misery upon like every single service person he comes into contact <laughs> with. And the sort of like, I guess, the idea of of this short is that while he's doing all of this, obviously, this behavior is is really horrible, and it is resulting in this uh manifestation of of this cockroach problem that he's having and it is it starts out with just and anyone who has like a like a bug phobia or a cockroach (laughs) this is like there is a lot of cockroaches and like 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 hundreds of cockroaches and (laughs) i
0: do i do have issues with bugs like this Mm -hmm. is the only one that really i had to kind of cover my eyes during certain parts
2: yeah, this is, um, this yeah, is well, a squirmy well, it, idea it, for me. Like, it starts in a ridiculous place where he's in this high-tech penthouse and he's just, like, spraying, yeah. like, his place with a giant canister of bug spray. You know, every room and every cranny and, and like, the his bugs are coming up in his food processor and his cereal box. Yeah. And, you oh, know, the line the line, oh, the line oh, is, <laughs> they creep up on you and, like, all of that. But it becomes clear as the segment goes on, like, is this guy actually dealing with roaches or is this, like, the sort of, crazy? like, paranoid mm-hmm. punishment yeah. for his own kind of like moral rot and 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 ugliness or is this legitimately just a supernatural amount of roaches just like terrorizing this guy
0: well so Um, i kind of i kind of took it at face value because i didn't based on how the whole uh film is set up i didn't feel like i needed to see anything as like a metaphor you know what i mean i was i was gonna be because it's also ridiculous and mystical and and in spooky. I, I was not going to be like this is some sort of uh, metaphor for the decay of. You know? I <laughs> yeah, was just yeah. like no, they're
2: I'm fucking the wealthy welches and they're, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. No, I was like no, this guy who is a germaphobe. But what did I, his I worth-
2: curious because I I kind of had a similar opinion and I think the short ends in a way where it suggests it was partially fantasy and then it kind of hasn't happened has both. Was it was
0: orchestrated it, against him by yeah. his employees.
3: Yeah. I felt like that's another thing. Yeah. It could have been like a little, both like almost the, like a paranoia of everything that all the people he's treated absolutely horribly in the last, you know, 20 minutes that you see it. Yeah. Kind um, of
0: orchestrated. Because, cause that one guy, dude, that armed, guy he calls like, on the, the phone. Yeah. yeah the guy's laughing he's like what's the problem you got some bugs like yeah. he's laughing about it it like, feels as if he <laughs> knew
3: exactly what was going to happen and yeah. just let it happen that kind of thing just because he's like fuck or, this guy like,
0: <laughs> was a part of it yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah well because well, i'm i'm curious what you, what your guys has thought but there there's this because there because you're talking about the um the like handyman who shows up the the, the Mr. White because he calls this his building superintendent who's on vacation on his phone he basically says either you get the handyman to come here immediately to resolve this drug problem or you and your wife and kids can go to Disneyland on your welfare check next year (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, 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 and Mr. White shows up played by David Early and he talks to him and he's talking to him about like getting the fumigation service to come in and all of that but David Early is like really really hamming up this performance to the point that I started that that was what first triggered me to believe that there was something more subjective happening because he kind of looks at this black handyman and the way he performs it it sounded like he was trying to do like the bamboozled voice oh, yeah. and no, stuff I, like, I, mean,
0: I mean he was uh, he was a hundred percent doing
3: that
2: yeah yeah I, mean, I, I he, know and, and, so, 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 was, so 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 that yeah. leads me to believe that it was in the perspective of this old wealthy racist dude who was looking at this guy being like this guy's just trying to mock me and not actually trying to help me and and, and all of this and yeah. so that was the only thing that made me go that's so intensely subject subjective of a choice to make that the handyman what? you know he views him in this like very kind of like racist caricature almost yeah and um, I, I like
3: that he does it Right away too. He doesn't build up to it after oh, he's wait, rude wait, to him. Wait, so it's wait, almost wait, like Wait, wait,
1: mm-hmm.
0: wait. Well, well, so Josh, you're you're thinking he's just viewing that guy as that. You don't think that they I because to me, I saw it and I was like, the that character is. That guy doing is deliberately that. doing that and yeah, to torture deliberately him. <laughs> doing that. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I can see that, that too. That's
0: right? how I saw it. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's in, like like I'm doing it. To fuck with you like oh miss it like well,
2: I'm, I'm not good yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: But, uh. <laughs> get that on the record right? he thought yeah. about it yeah uh, the, uh, but yeah. no i well the thing is is i think he like he's he doesn't build up to that that voice or performance he's like as soon as he starts talking to him he's doing it so it almost feels like he's so used to this guy that he's like fuck you right away like i'm just gonna interact with you yeah. like this um, sure yeah yeah so I could see, I mean, I could see both ways because the way that I understood, like I could understand why it could also be a more subjective thing is how fucking insane the amount of bugs gets to a certain point. Like it just feels so... Like right, well, well, and
2: and then and then they're on his bed, and he's having a heart attack, and then it flashes back out, and like they're not there anymore, right? Like the whole idea is that you know they're not in the cereal anymore; they're not in all these places they they're were not, before. And it was not, like, was he just imagining? they're, in they're his... all in his fucking body, dude, and they're about yeah. to explode <laughs> out of him so in like wild. an incredible practical effect. And, Again, Tom Savini gets to fucking flex across all of these with the gore effects. Yes, yeah, that's and, it's honestly one of the so, grossest
3: things that I've seen. It. Looks looks so authentic the way the skin pops cockroaches open and the cockroaches yeah coming out. Out neck, coming out of his
2: neck coming out of his brain them. like a bloody tumor well, or something oh yeah, it's fucking it's you'll you'll
0: be you'll be delighted to know that uh, I was listening to again friend of the show Eli Roth good guy um <laughs> he interviewed Stephen King and they were talking about Creepshow in that segment specifically and there was uh an uh someone who was blowing the bugs. to like pop, shoot them out basically. Okay. And he was like in like a suit. I I can't remember the, the story exactly specifically, but like, he's like in the, the bug suit and he's blowing them out with a tube (laughs) and they're like, are you good? Can you handle this? He's like, yeah, but I just, I have one request and his only request was, uh, that there would be a a bottle, like a baby bottle, of whiskey. Every (laughs) once in a while, after I'm blowing the fucking roaches up, you give me a little swig on the baby bottle of whiskey.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Just get him through it.
0: So he's, like, in this fucking bug suit for hours. And just, he's stuck there. And he's just swigging from the booze.
3: That's so. Anyway, that's metal as hell. Oh my god, it is,
0: it is pretty fucking badass.
3: That is very badass. It's so many. It's that ridiculous.
0: When, when movies were were good.
3: Yes. yeah, When people just let cockroaches spill all over them.
0: Exactly. Back <laughs> when there were no rules and regulations.
3: Yeah, it's like now when you it, got the it PC. Was,
0: <laughs> it
3: was like Exorcist Two with the locusts, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Jesus. Crazy shit. Should, yeah. but should
0: I watch Exorcist 2? I've seen Exorcist 3. Should yeah. I watch Exorcist I 2? I think
3: it's weird Everyone enough to watch Everyone should watch Exorcist it. 2. Yeah. It's definitely not 3. Okay. It's not going to be 3. But um,
2: I think it's weird sure. enough to
3: get some
2: something it's, it's, out of it's, it. Okay. It's directed by John Borman, Mr. Excalibur in point blank. It's worth watching yeah, for just the insane shit that comes out of that man's brain. Yeah, totally. Zardoz. Oh, my God. Yeah, that movie. <laughs> That broke my brain for sure. Um, But yeah, they're they're creeping up on you as the last one. But we do do one last follow up where we circle back around to the wraparound story to this epilogue uh, where you have Tom Savini as the garbage man throwing out the comic book in the trash can out front of Tom Atkins house from the opening from that that Stephen King's kid was reading. He's not allowed to read anymore. And they're looking at all the deals on x-ray glasses and other various novelty items that you could buy in comic books. And they see that the redeem coupon for a voodoo doll has already been used. And where is that voodoo doll? Inside the kid's bedroom where he is stabbing his dad, causing pain. Tom Atkins just screaming as this kid is like gleefully laughing, which again... Um, that just captures the juvenile vibe of the whole thing. Oh you know, yeah. You are watching bad taste, grotesque ghouls and gags of like a little vengeful kid. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we had a blast.
3: And again, it turns into the comic <laughs> yeah, style as it's been doing and the reaper ends it. The creep. That's right.
2: The reaper baby. Uh,
3: the Reaper,
0: As he often does because the reaper ends it all
3: <laughs>
2: Yeah, for everyone. <laughs> all the time yeah well that is uh yeah that's that's creep show we're gonna pivot to the reductive rating round here but this was the very solid um four for me again i loved seeing two like gods of horror that i already love you know Mm -hmm. the one uh with uh Uh, George A. Romero, who we already know is an incredibly good at both being gruesome and also being satirical, which this film is doing in equal measure. And you also have Stephen King, who we haven't talked about, like, I don't think like a ton on this show as like, you know, you know, like we've talked about some adaptations of him. We know we've done Christine, we've done Carrie, this kind of stuff. But like this is peak him just in his like cocaine addiction and just being like. Yeah. And just being like, what are these like old trashy comic books that I love that my parents thought rotted my brain? And how could I bring that to the screen for kids, you know, 30 years later? And him and Romero, I just think, did a really great job of getting the 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 atmosphere of it right, getting the colorfully exaggerated imagery of it right, getting the wit and the the meanness of it. And, uh, yeah, serving up so much you know, ridiculously conceived and very grisly revenge on all of these various characters who, uh, in, in, in some way or another kind of, kind of deserve it. Uh, which, uh, not quite doing it in the sort of like politically angry and more kind of like moral way that Romero would do in kind of like some of his other movies. Yeah. But you know, doing it doing it nonetheless in a kind of uh, silly and 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 cathartic way. And uh, despite the fact that this is a you know anthology film where you know there's a little bit of inconsistency between between the quality. Um. I I for the had a, had a good like a, on average I had a good time with pretty much every single um one of the shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I I, I think it seems pretty agreed upon here that uh mr leslie nielsen as uh, the vhs obsessed jigsaw uh just you know putting <laughs> putting ted danson into into a trap was definitely the uh, strangest and and kind of most interesting one but yeah there's a lot of great images throughout the the entire thing courtesy of romero and courtesy of uh, tom savini's effects work specifically and uh Yeah. Um, Obviously, Creepshow ended up being a huge commercial hit, so much so that it, you know, made a. They made it into a TV show that ran for half the 80s and it sparked so many different kinds of it got a sequel
0: or there's still creep show related things going on, right?
2: For sure. Yeah. There's a creep. They've, uh, I think Shudder does a creep show TV show still right now. And obviously so many anthology horror films in the eighties and nineties, you know, kind of owe their existence to the fact that they could pitch, you know, we're sort of like creep show, like tales from the hood, you know, yeah. that's the more politically angry version of creep show. And Great it's very movie. good as well. People should check that one out, yeah. uh, we we've covered that one, um, as well. Body bags is, uh, uh, you know uh quite quite silly that's john carpenter and toby hooper kind of yeah. taking uh taking a taking a stab yeah. at that and uh which i but, just but I also, watched
0: recently and loved.
2: loved yeah that's that that's a good one the the opening gas station one by carpenter in particular is really good really the good best um, one yeah. the
3: best one the i best think one. so too yeah. if
2: i remember correctly yeah yeah, but I, but I also wanted to give a brief shout-out because I'm not sure if you guys have uh, seen it, but uh, Stephen King and George Romero collaborated one other time in the 90s on something called The Dark Half, and I just mm. happened to, like, blind-watch this recently on, on a print because we had one play here, and it's one of King's, like, meta novels where it's, like, it's a story about a successful horror author, but it's, like, such a weird one because it's, like he's uh his it's his, his like dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde type story where like Timothy Hutton is playing him in a dual role where he's like half the normal sensitive domestic husband writer and then the other half is like his alter ego pen name where he writes all of his like misogynistic crime pulp bestsellers. <laughs> Um, and and King obviously all, had to publish under a pseudonym for a while too, Richard Bachman, and so uh, th- the pen name character is basically the serial killing Elvis impersonator in a leather jacket, just like tormenting <laughs> the more like sensitive like pussy version of Stephen King, <laughs> and wow. it's, it's 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 kind of a messy and more boring version of like in the mouth of madness. Like it's a little bit too long, um, but Romero goes pretty crazy with some of the imagery, and there's a part in it where he goes like full zombie movie gory sensibility but he mixes that with like the birds Mm. and i can't i won't say anything else about it from there but if you want to see more romero and king that's the only other thing i've seen where these two guys sensibilities kind of so merged and clashed up against one another and yeah it's a it was a delight seeing it here so four for me
3: yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm in the strong three territory. I still think it's it's great, and I don't dislike any of the shorts by any means. I just like them to various degrees, I suppose. But like I said, my favorite is uh, something to tide you over. I think it has a perfect blend of this. Like, it's it's a. It has the dark humor, but there's something about it that, as it goes, it gets just more and more sadistic because it really does kind of become a, a like a torture short in a way. Um, So that one was was definitely my favorite. And I liked also watching. Excuse me. I I liked also watching Leslie Nielsen uh, kind of play a little bit of his, you know, what you would do when he does parody because he's still enjoying himself. He's having fun while he's doing it. But Ted Danson is in a very serious situation. So I liked their juxtaposition there, of like their contrast of their performances. So. Um, that one is my favorite, but that, I mean every single one of these has George Romero's touch, and and some of the images in th- these are are great. Like uh, yeah, him. Stephen
2: King as a grass alien blowing his head off, great image. Oh yeah, you know? and Savini,
3: <laughs> like the mix of Romero and Savini is is just fucking flawless. Anytime. Um, you know, it's, it's Savini's time to shine with these kills. It's, it's amazing. And just the way that Romero uses the camera, it just accents it. So yeah, I, I have a, a great deal of fun with it. I just uh, don't know if I love every single short, so I'm going to keep the strong three, but I also love the transitions too. those, uh, how it goes in and out of the comic book style. Um, and it even, it's it's very brief because they want to move on to the next short, but they have kind of a, a title card and individual credits in that same style before the short begins. And it's, it's just a great way to kind of transition those. So yeah,
2: strong three. Yeah. For you, Rob.
0: Um, well, you know, I am not a raider unless it's a <laughs> oh, five. Wow. Uh, Give it the m- heart,
2: much to the
0: chagrin of our mutual friend Sean uh, Glennis. But, <laughs> but uh, I would say if I were were to have to rate, I would say somewhere between the three and a half and the four. Um, I really enjoyed it. I it, w- it was just a great time at the movies. My I wish I watched it younger. You know, yeah. I was really to actually film. I, I, I was really horror film phobic growing up.
2: And it, I could see why '80s out. kids are like obsessed with this. Like if yeah. I had seen yeah. this yeah. when no. I was like a shithead 10 I mean, year old, I would have been like, this is the greatest movie that's ever been made. Sure. Well,
0: <laughs> um, think of I, I don't know what your personal like regular Halloween watches are. But I watch so much garbage that I'm like, it's <laughs> Halloween. I gotta, I gotta watch the Disney Channel original Halloween Town <laughs> once a year, and then, and I watch it. And every time I watch it, I'm like, this fucking sucks.
3: sucks. Yeah, but, but I
0: still have I have to do it. It's like this yeah, thing where it, like it. it'll it'll fire off some neuron in my brain that it's like. Be happy for 90 minutes,
2: yeah. I think I did, and that I'm last, not,
0: but like, I think there you it have will, it. Creep you know?
2: Show better than Halloween Town,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's better, that. Creep Show is a better <laughs> film than Halloween Town. You have me on the record <laughs> saying that.
2: I
3: think I did the uh, the Disney Halloween watch, but, watches with, but last year. what
0: have I watched more, and what will I watch more, Josh Lewis?
3: Mm, it's mm, okay.
0: it's how it, I'll be honest, I will probably <laughs> watch. By the time I die, I will have watched Halloween Town way more than I, I have watched Creepshow. It's not even close.
2: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think that that's going to wrap it up for uh, Creepshow here. We're going to be right back and we're going to be talking about three more spooky tales, but 1960s and in Italy, uh, we're going to be talking about Black Sabbath. Stick around. Right, we are back and we are talking Black Sabbath, the 1963 anthology horror film written and directed by Mario Bava, co-written by Marcello Fondato and Alberto Bevelka, and starring Boris Karloff, Mark Damon, Michelle Mercier, uh, among many others throughout the various shorts here. Uh, I believe this is actually our fifth time talking about the legendary Italian horror director and cinematographer Mario Bava. It's just kind of been a little
3: while. Yeah, I think. he's so good um, though. One of my favorites, definitely.
2: He is one of the greatest. Yeah. Um he, like even who even prior to directors like Dario Argento and Lucio Fulci and Sergio Martino was like establishing the sort of like elegantly crafted sort of gruesomeness and artificial lights and sort of painterly visual language of giallo and supernatural horror in italy in some cases like a full decade before those guys let alone like american filmmakers who would be eventually inspired by them so like we've talked about how ridiculously ahead of his time bava was many times on this show on black sunday yep Oh, yeah. which was very black and white, sort of like gothic cobweb castle horror film, very much in the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe and actually came out the same year as Corman and Price's House of Usher. Mm -hmm. Um, resulting in Barbara Steele being in The Iron Maiden for Corman's Pit and The Pendulum a a year later. So he was coming up with that around the same time that those would become huge hits and would define both of those filmmakers' career. He also did Bay of Blood, which is honestly like the closest thing to a camp slasher that had been made uh, in the year 1971 when it came out almost a decade before the slasher would like actually, you know, be the thing that it was. And it has some insane kills in it. Um, and then my personal favorite, and I think Jamie's too, uh, blood and black lace. Yeah. Um, which is just like the perfect like decadent sadistic like dollhouse material for him where he was doing a movie about like rich fashion designers and models just getting brutally killed and swallowed by like this corrupt industry uh they've surrounded themselves in but it's also just an excuse because you're in a fashion house so it's like colors and erotic murder set pieces and Mm -hmm. you know so alongside Suspiria and the beyond I put like blood and black lace up there as like the Italian horror film for me. So I'm very excited to be talking about Mario Bava again. Um, and uh, this is one of the ones that I feel like ends up you know, pretty frequently kind of going under discussed in, in, in his filmography, like maybe not so much as something like shock, which we've also covered on the show and very good, you know, which, you know, is, is maybe more underrated than this. But, um, in, in terms of like horror anthology films, uh, this is like really like one of the strongest ones, uh, that's out there. And it came yeah. about after the success of black Sunday and Corman and, and prices, uh, Poe films, uh, because it's actually by the same company who did those we talked about last week, American International. That Pictures. makes
0: so much sense.
2: That makes yep. the most sense. They were looking to pick up some Italian horror, and they were like, yeah. look, we, we we just made this Corman and Price stuff, and Bava was interested in kind of doing like a Dead of Night or sort of like Qui-Don style. Because like, you know, and, and anthology horror stories had existed, you know, since the 1940s and 50s and stuff like that. So they, they had been out there. But for, the, for him specifically, he was like, I want to do these old school horror stories, and I also want to have a kind of diversity of sort of history and kind of time period. So that's why his You know, he only did three, but they really do range from everything from, like, this, like, modern stalker thriller Mm -hmm. to old school gothic, like, vampire movie, um, you know, to, you know, basically, like... Yeah, more classic ghost story, but done in like what would become the iconic, like surrealist Italian style of it, too. And then obviously also having Boris Karloff as the wraparound kind of Crypt Keeper character introducing and contextualizing all of this. Yeah, there's Um, specific things that you see, especially the way he uses
3: lighting that you see in his future films uh, throughout like especially uh, blood and black lace uh, with the like the the slow flashing light where something can appear in the darkness at any moment and disappear like it's just uh, it, it was it's really cool to see him in in every single short use different kind of a different style that, that he's known for. Oh yeah. It's incredible. I mean,
2: clearly it's just a showcase for him as like <laughs> yeah. a meticulous formalist. He was like, how can I, you know, do different sets and different colors and, you know, and how do I, how can I really play with that? And, um, yeah, uh, I will say upfront right at the beginning, if anyone hasn't seen this film, please, for the love of God, watch the Italian version. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch both of stuff versions are in
3: the American, I believe. Yeah.
2: Both versions are out there in the world. There's the original Italian version. There's the American international pictures version. Cause as much as they helped get this movie made, they, uh, they also were like, well, this is too weird and Italian, um, for American audiences in 1963, <sighs> they trim out some of the violence. They rearrange the stories, which is, I think one of the weirdest decisions that they make. It like really what, to tell
0: what is the, what is the arrangement uh, what is the arrangement? for the
2: They start English? with the 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 drip, the water oh, one yeah, first. The drops oh, of water.
0: interesting! Interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah. Where, whereas, then, I, 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 I think, and then I and then I think they do. I'd have to double check because I, I haven't they, they watched end, the American they one. They
0: end on the Wordulac?
2: I think so I that? think they wait for the longest one for the end and what I like about this is that it starts out in the very sort of like low key kind of grounded way Yeah. then it throws in some supernatural elements and then it gets fucking crazy it turned, and it, it actually has a both. very gradual build between the three of them yeah
3: it's kind of interesting that it's both it's like you you have yeah. a, a woman that's kind of paranoid about what's going on around her in the first one in an enclosed space and in the second one you have the more the, the, you know the, the fantasy elements and more of the super natural and then you kind of fuse those together for the the final one with uh, the drop of water so i I think it works really really well that way yeah
2: yeah no and and he clearly deliberately did it that way and also this dude's a cinematographer so like visual and color is like his specialty Mm -hmm. and they changed the color timing in the american version and changed the music and like like they they did all kinds of stuff just
3: destroy his direction that's crazy
2: Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of reasons not to watch the American one, which they felt was more palatable and less weird in Italian. And I don't know why you watch a Mario Bava film if you don't want it to be weird in Italian. It's just my my take on it. It's because they um, fucking hate us.
0: They fucking hate us.
2: Yes, they but this think, is. Um, they all think
0: we're whacking people. <laughs> I'm saying this like I'm an Italian,
3: but, but
0: <laughs> I I can speak for them. Who gives a shit? What
3: they have? To say? <laughs> anyway, You probably won't get. it. Yes, angry but this is th- th- that, th-
2: this one. Uh the the wraparound story here is the god, Boris Karloff, Mr. Frankenstein himself, perfect perfect for uh introducing you to some spooky Halloween tales. And he isn't himself in this like vibrantly colored, like artificial sound stage, blue background, like pink rocks, and he's just being like, Allow me to introduce three brief tales of terror and the supernatural. And I love that he's like directly acknowledging the audience in this like uh, I hope. You didn't come to this theater like alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you will. You know, there are specters and vampires everywhere. There might even be one sitting next to you because they go to the movies too. Yeah. And I, I, I like this. Yeah. Uh, you know how it immediately draws your attention to the artificiality and also the love of movies and storytelling and kind of all of this. Like it, it kind of the movie immediately knows like exactly what you're here for. And the first one is the story called "The Telephone." Um, It is this very creepy little stalker thriller with an ominous sort of like telephone call essentially between a French call girl named Rosie played by Michelle Mercier, who I've actually only ever seen in a like cartoonishly bleak spaghetti Western (laughs) called Cemetery Without Crosses, but she's pretty good in that. And she's essentially all alone in her apartment, and she has this ominous caller who wants to kill her, uh, which is, you know, something that should probably sound familiar to most horror fans. But not only does this predate Scream, Mm -hmm. but it also predates When a Stranger Calls and Black Christmas, which are the movies that most people cite as inspirations for Scream. Yeah, and it's Um, not even,
3: what's wild, it's not even the idea of just this kind of, you know, this... this um, anonymous caller that's that that no, keeps yeah, creeping yeah. you out but she knows these, she
0: knows who it is
3: yeah and the, and this, she
0: thinks she knows who
3: it is and the scares the details of him going like oh you look beautiful tonight like the whole like i'm watching exactly. you currently presently right
2: now i can i can <laughs> see what you're doing what you're doing right now yeah you know like and, and then
0: and then so in in my notes i i wrote down that's just how italians flirt that's just, that's just <laughs> what
1: they do. That's <laughs> just yeah, this is a courting weird. ritual.
2: Exactly. It's
0: fine. It's normal.
2: <laughs> that was what that that was what Craven was trying to do with the Drew Barrymore section of Scream. This feels yeah, like this is just no, this is just no, teenage they, courting rituals.
0: What they do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, but I I love, like, the patience and mood of of this one, Mm -hmm. which feels like part sort of, like, Hitchcock murder scheme movie, part, like, early Giallo woman driven into madness kind of movie. Mm -hmm. Because, again, this is, like, before you know, what most people would, you know, they would actually start calling things, giallos and have giallo movies. It's kind of so, and, and, and Bava is just so good at ringing tension out of this room. Like it's just like this whole short is the bedroom and a phone. Yeah. And pure style. Yeah. You know, great sound and editing. It's like very tautly sharply kind of constructed of just like it's scored to the telephone rings and her ticking analog clock and the camera just like nervously dollying and panning away. It's round this like decadent apartment while she's changing into her nightgown and pouring herself a drink and answering these dead air calls on her blood red rotary phone. Like it's just it's such striking imagery.
3: Yeah. I love how he sucks out
0: the, this of, was so clearly my my favorite one. Like it started off, I was like, "There's no way," I'll like the other ones.
3: Uh, <laughs> nice. Mine's actually the drop of water. Uh, That's my favorite.
0: Well, I that, that I think that is the best directed one. But like as a whole, mm. like like the thing that got me the most because like wh- when I watch horror movies and stuff like that, I actively want to be scared and thrilled. And it, it, it rarely happens, you know. Um, <laughs>
2: this one kind of freaked you out a little bit?
0: It it didn't necessarily. But it mm. did give me that, like, peak of, like, uh-oh, what, how is this one going to end? Mm-hmm. Like, I was just like, oh, who who is on the phone? Like, is something going to creep up? Like, you, like they, I, w- I was wondering what the next step would be. Whereas with the other ones, I kind of knew how it was going to end.
3: Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, I could see and that because so th- this does that, have a
3: little bit of anticipation of like whether or not this is, you know, maybe a, sure. a spirit of some kind or just a murderer or if it's connected to her past. And eventually that's revealed, of course. But yeah, initially mm-hmm. it, it, it does have a very like anonymous feeling to it where you're really not quite sure where uh-huh. this is going to lead. You just know you're in a horror story. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I I do like some of the lines, too, of her being like, you know, like, who is this? Who's on the other? And he's like, you'll only know, like, right before you die, mm-hmm. you know, like making yeah. clear that he's going to he means her like imminent <laughs> bodily harm. And 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 also the fact that she gets freaked out and her immediate, you know, thought is, OK, I got to go into my apartment, go around, turn all the lights on. And then the next call is you did well turning all the lights on. I want to see yeah. you die. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know like yeah. there's there, yeah. there, there's a lot of great like just almost like like it's not quite cat and mouse suspense but it's like one of those things where the logic of it builds in a really kind of satisfying and kind of tense and creepy way like that and you know and she does begin to really like sweat and be driven into paranoid madness kind of sure. waiting for her own demise and the the uncertainty of you know it, it even if it's not it starts taking on this kind of supernatural and ghostly taunting quality to it just on the way that she's being spoken to and yeah. you know then you start throwing in those sick like crank zooms on like piercing eyes peering on her through the blinds and the footsteps outside someone sliding a newspaper clipping under the door of her escaped former pimp named Frank who she turned in and testified against she's like oh my god he's escaped he's gonna come kill me which triggers the sort of the second half of the short where she calls a former a strange lover of hers named Mary, and she calls her for comfort. She's begging for her, it. and it's actually the only time the short cuts away from the perspective of her apartment is to cut to Mary answering her phone. Yeah, and I like that at this point your brain is actually trained to kind of feel like a phone ringing is just an ominous thing, even though it's a girl calling another girl that she you know is friends with, sure. right. and. And that is shortly followed by the reason it's ominous is because it's revealed that fucking Mary is the person on the other end of the phone doing the yeah, voice impersonation yeah, and, of and the Frank. the only
0: reason why she's doing it is just some petty bullshit. She just – because apparently uh, Rosie – told mary she never wanted to see her again so mary's like oh i know how i'll get her to talk
2: to me again it's a prank oh, bro <laughs> oh yeah yeah
0: she's she's a prankster she's the god of halloween dude yeah and isn't,
2: and, and she,
3: she's just doing bits and uh in the details too isn't it also like she never technically Finds out because of she gets uh, like sleeping pilled, and then the the actual Frank does come in and end up strangling Mary. And At, uh, but after yeah, but after Mary is like uh, like
0: because because you think when when this is happening, you think oh I guess so Mary is the one who wants to kill. Rosie Mm -hmm. and just wanted to give herself an in but no Mary just wanted to hang (laughs) (laughs) and then she's writing a fucking letter to be like look it was fucked up what I did but I just (laughs) I missed ya while while after she tranquilized fucking Rosie she gives her a sedative she knocks her out and then is writing a letter she's like but look see we were hanging out it was great yeah. So nothing's wrong. Yeah, well you even even though the actual scene where they hang again. out
1: <laughs>
2: The actual scene where they hang out is quite tense, too, because from our perspective, we just know her as the girl that's like behind all of this torment no, that yeah, she's we, been we I- think experiencing she, like we this. We
0: think she's going to kill her like we think yeah, she's the
2: killer. Yeah. Like, I, I like that sequence where Mary is just now like walking around her room and it has some creep factor to it because she thinks she's safe. And we're like, you're not safe. Look at her black leather gloves. Yeah, that's no, exactly what she, a fucking Italian bla- killer she, would fucking got wear. she the black
0: you know? <laughs> leather gloves. She, she pulls out she, the she, knife. She, 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 and then yep. puts it under the pillow for Rosie, and is like, you never know. And you're like, yeah, oh, and, and I love. He's gonna kill like, you with wh- the knife
2: like one of Bava's signature things too just like in Blood and Black Lace is how sensually he films stuff like that he's like look at the gloves look at the knife he films it the same way like another filmmaker would fin- like film the furniture and the fabrics in the room and and you know the beautiful yeah. Italian women but he's like no look at these gloves look at this knife yeah. you know and he's he's instilling those thoughts in your brain you're like fending off psychic war from this insane Italian man watching his <laughs> movies um, but yeah you're, you're right it has this great great little ironic twist ending to it where, you know, Mary sedates her with tea, writes this confession letter explaining that she was the one scaring her for, you know, causing her so much pain. I just wanted, I just wanted to see you again. I wanted you to call me again, you know? And the great twist of it is that Frank actually does escape, does burst into the room and thinking he's killing Rosie, he strangles Mary to death. And the, uh, bit with the knife, um, is that, you know, because like he's strangling Mary to death, like with a scarf, which is another fucking Bava touch drenched in moonlight. Yeah. And Rosie wakes up hearing like Mary gasping for air and she's fucking prepared with the knife because of Mary. Cause Mary put it under her pillow yeah. as a, as part of, so Mary's prank actually left her prepared for this guy to break into her place. And she probably would have been killed. And as as a result of Mary's prank, she got the upper hand and stabbed him instead. And now there's just a pile of corpses in her bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the camera just does what it's been doing the whole time where it slowly pans over
3: everything. But now it's just the aftermath and all the destruction instead of like leading you to something. You're just left with the death. It's it's great. Great short. It is good.
2: Great short. Yeah. I yeah, that's 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 definitely for sure. Hell yeah. Nice. Um, The the, the one that followed it is uh, one called the Wurdulak, um, which is Slavic for vampire, and this is like the crate, the longest one, and the most sort of ambitious one um, of of the bunch, which it does kind of make sense to put in the middle one, because you want to get people's attention fast, and you also want to kind of like end on like a crazy high note, and it does a good job of putting this one in its right spot, but also this one being the longest one, also I I was surprised that, you know, it, it makes makes it tonally a little bit more of like a sad kind of slow burn, yeah. like folk horror kind of movie. But I actually think that it's still pretty lean and to the point. And I almost wish that this was like a movie that he had just made. Like this could have been a whole feature, I thought, yeah. in, in how well done it is. It's loosely based on the gothic novella called The Family of the v- uh, um, by uh, the Russian author Alexei Tolstoy and this is definitely going for more of an Edgar Allan Poe sort of like gothic Baroque sort of like family tragedy where it's like you know they're torn apart by this like supernatural mysticism and it even actually brings Mark Damon back who we just talked about last week who starred alongside Vincent Price in House of Usher Mm -hmm. um, to play the lead character here Count Vladimir who rides on horseback through like 1800 Serbia his black cape flowing as he pulls up to a river where he finds the corpse of a headless horseman with a dagger sticking out of him you know it's like it's real european castle location work that's pretty amazing yeah, this is like crazy the, colored skies right out of a painting yeah you know? the
3: look of this one is is i, I don't know if it's uh I would probably tie it in the sense of just the just the aesthetic of it with with the drop of water and and this one but like the like you said the red and purple skies is incredible the 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 fog the ancient ruins that he
2: goes through uh, over and over yeah. again Yeah the fog over the landscapes almost makes it look like a watercolor painting yeah. or something like that it's amazing well, Yeah Well
0: so so this this one um I I loved all the exteriors mm-hmm. not like the interior
2: Mm, you like really crazy like about the, 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 the more
0: sound the, y the, stuff. The, well, I mean, when you use the word sound stage, I have no problem with that. I just didn't like the direction they took it into, which is like kind of a cottagey. Like I wanted to be more like a gothic, sure. Castle. I, could, gotcha. I could see and that. It's kind of like a tavern uh, or a hotel. But then, or but something. then when you when you get in the woods, that is pure Halloween sheen. You got the fucking That's branches right. all over you got you got the fog rolling in <laughs> and then yeah. and then it's the kind of weird because it feels like this short doesn't really exist in uh real time because every once in a while it will cut to outside of like the immediate vicinity and like you got a horse in daylight trudging through the snow <laughs> for no reason they just show that and then it cuts back to the woods and it's at the same time that it was originally at, like, the middle of the night with the fog rolling in. It's like, why'd you cut to yeah. that horse in the snow? It's very strange.
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah, just trying trying to mix some of the real location work with the, like, very artificial sort of studio stuff, I guess. Yeah. I guess that they yeah. were, well, they well, were I, shooting. Because, I, I because, they because the old Hollywood stuck studio stuck stuff, to, you, you could tell yeah. even getting the chance to cast like Boris Karloff in this one because Karloff actually is the main you know yeah. one of the main characters in this one yeah, as well you can guy. tell that Bava was watch. stoked like like when he was yeah. getting to do the, fo- the foggy farmhouse stuff he was like this is like my Universal Monsters thing man this yeah. is like you know when Frankenstein goes out into the forest or when the wolfman is like tra- you know going around town killing people he was like this is like my version of finally getting to do that because Vladimir it turns out pulls up to this farmhouse looking for shelter and it turns out to be, you know, the sort of like family home of a man named Gorka and and his whole family, his daughter, you know, his sons, their wives, children, you know, kind of like everything. And it turns out that Gorka, the patriarch of the family, has been missing um, for five days. He's gone hunting. He was hunting a Turkish criminal who they all kind of suspect is actually a... Uh, Bloodthirsty vampire, um, which is which is the body he presumably found with the father's dagger in it. Cause they were like, yeah, if you found a decapitated body with a dagger in the heart, that was probably our dad killing a vampire. <laughs> um, and, but but it's also worth noting that Gorka. Boris Karloff, he also instructed them that if I don't come back in five days, don't let me in because I will be a verderlock. Mm-hmm. you know? And and, and it, it does have an interesting twist, I thought, on the vampire lore where it's like they're simply like basically mm-hmm. bloodthirsty corpses like zombies mm-hmm. and it's a very romantic character because the more uh, they say the more they love, the more they long to kill, Yeah, which it's is like why they, want... they need to be staked in the heart.
3: Yeah, it's like they want their loved ones <laughs> ones to just continu- continue the everlasting life, I guess, with them.
2: So there's that kind of dark quality to it. It's not just you. Yeah, so it's like feeding.
3: that.
2: Yeah, it's that well, classic like point. gothic romance quality, but yeah. like what if like love was like this curse? And right. like, and that's but, why but when but the passions we, and like, emotions overwhelm the survivalist yeah. elements of this, it kind of made sense to <laughs> me. Whereas maybe in another yeah. version, you might be annoyed by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: No, but, but then, so it's like that. I mean, usually it's like what if. We did this, and we had like eternal love forever. But, the, but with this, it's like, what if we had a whole family of fucking vampires, and we could all <laughs> chill and be and, and have a loving, nice family? Like, I kind of, I kind of was like, that sounds nice. But At <laughs> the end of this one, I was like, I was like, that sounds chill having a whole fucking vampire family. Wrong <laughs> it's a sitcom.
3: That? That's a sitcom waiting to happen. Yeah,
0: no. So <laughs> literally, I was like, because I'm so fucked up these days that like I <laughs> fantasize about being Dracula. So I was like, what's wrong with <laughs> that? I was like, this sounds
3: awesome. This sick. Yeah, By I would least, love to be Dracula. Me up.
0: I, I would love Hang, to be hanging Dracula, out with Boris Karloff, my dad. But, <laughs> but, but but you know but you know what would be even be better is if you're Dracula with a family. With a fucking wife and a kid and your boys. Like, what? Come on.
2: Hey, Vladimir agrees with you. So, I I mean. Yeah, he does, ultimately. (laughs) That is is the emotional trajectory of the story. Even though the atmosphere screams horror. Yeah. You know. He's ultimately like, I, I kinda choose this family. I choose being in love, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's um, about
0: chosen but, but, family.
2: <laughs> that's right. But man, the atmosphere is so fucking good. Like like Bava directs the hell out of the that's, like that whole segment of like the, the, the clock striking midnight on the final day while like the howling wind is outside and this hooded figure is crossing like through mud oh, through yeah, the I rockety the, or sorry the, the the rickety bridge like over the swamp and it's revealed it's, then that it's Gorka and it's Karloff and, it, and and this short takes on almost like a body snatcher sort of like zombie dynamic where they don't know who's been turned and they kind of refuse to believe whether they've been turned due to their love for the person even though Karloff is like like, he looks half dead. Yeah. He's wrinkly, yeah, he's gray, he's got a, a giant knife wound in his fucking chest and the dogs are all howling at him and he literally makes and, one and of his kids shoot the dog. And they know what the
0: to look for. Like, they, yeah. they are like, aware he very well might come back as a vampire. You're he like, literally oh, said, if, it, if it's yeah, been five, like, five yeah, days, don't com-
2: let me in. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's
0: been five days, he comes back and he's all fucked up looking, they're like... Hey pops! And he's like hello. Like, no, <laughs> nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong here.
2: A re- <laughs> he's like ominously holding his grandson yeah, Ivan yeah, seconds like, before wanna, ripping yeah, 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 the yeah, Turkish yeah. vampire's <laughs> decapitated head like out of a sack yeah. and being like, Look at this. <laughs> they're, they're, they're
0: like, cool. There's, There's a real, no. real. Oh, that's yeah, awesome, no, dude. No. Take take him outside after dark. That's normal. Yeah, go go ride with grandpa at 2 in the morning.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's a real uh, like strength the way that they present him too. like it's first it's kind of ominous like you were saying that that great dark silhouetted shot of him going across the bridge, but the closer he gets to the house, they have this other shot where he's approaching where it's right behind him and it kind of does almost a almost like a steady cam effect where it's very still but still following him and tracking him um and it just feels like there's this powerful presence that's kind of coming up to the house it's
2: it's really well directed i loved that whole reveal sequence it's great mhm well, and, and, and I like the sequence when he starts fucking wilding out, too. It's just like everyone in the house goes to sleep and he's still awake. And it's just like dollying and panning around <laughs> while v- Vlad is just like twisting and, and, and turning. And Boris Karloff is just nocturnally stalking like each one of them around the house. And then he walks up to Vlad's bed and there's this great sort of like sort of like dolly where the camera Pushes in on Vlad sleeping, and you know, starting, and you know, and and it loses sight of Boris Karloff looking over him, like close enough to actually like grab and touch him. Mm-hmm. And Vlad wakes up in like a startled panic that there's something in the room with him. And the camera pulls away all in one shot, and Boris Karloff's not there anymore. Yeah, and, you know, and now he's outside the window staring in, like glowing purple. And you know, like just suddenly, he's like, "Oh my god, there he is!" <laughs> just slowly and, uh, leaves,
3: still staring too. <laughs>
2: It's great. Well, yeah. And then that's when he bites like Pietro's neck yep. and that's when he kidnaps the kid on on horseback and that like incredible like face uh, fake um, horse rig in front of like the moving shrubbery and lighting and everything, yeah. which we actually end up seeing revealed well, in the final the shot end. of the film. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But, but but this is where it's actually used in the film. So it's yeah. awesome that like, it has such an intensity to the mood that you don't realize that that's what that shot is, that it kind of comes back at, at, at the end and it's, and it's great. But there's so many beautiful images in this. The My favorite is that crazy shot from the vantage point of the roof of the farmhouse, where the one son, Giorgio, comes back carrying his son Ivan's corpse in the blue moonlight, and it's, like, in front of this, like, giant, like, claw-like tree, and the wife is coming out and, like, hysterically crying over their kid, and you're just watching from, like, the the rooftop, like, window, basically, mm. and, um... And, and that's when they are like, yeah, sorry, she's so upset about it, she won't actually let them stake the kid in the heart. So, of course, they bury him out back, and he comes back to life, and they repeat that shot again. But it's the kid outside being like, you know, mama. Yeah. You know, as he's getting closer and closer, and man, like, it's just, like... That that whole thing where you know the a a kid is being coming back to life and the mom can't handle it and she fucking like kills her husband. Yeah, just to get Ivan is on his. The kid is like banging on the door. His knees like you know, bowing in front of it. Like, it's so creepy. Like, Bava is good with, like, kid horror the few times he deploys it. I was thinking of that shot in uh, Shock, that transformation shot where the kid is running down the hallway and then turns into the, like, adult man with claws and stuff. Like, (laughs) this reminded me of that a little bit.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, and then I think when she opens the door, too, this is when she gets kidnapped. It's Karloff, it's, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, he's he's ready to go. And he takes her to the uh, these ancient ruins that they keep going back to that I was uh, talking about earlier, which that, just that look That are great. so beautiful. Yeah, they, I think they, they look amazing. At a certain point, it looks like they have one massive one that has – it's kind of like a composition between two real shots and maybe something that's like, matted, like a matte painting in the
2: middle. But it's just – yeah i think it's meant to be this abandoned like monastery or something like that Mm -hmm. that they end up going to yeah yeah it's it's one of my favorite it's it's very vague
0: what it is but it is pure halloween sheen yes pure halloween sheen
2: it belongs well yeah and and it's there that she's like where the one daughter remaining who's been you know slowly like kind of like falling in love with vlad over the course of the over the short you know she gets swallowed by her cursed family which is like at like classic Poe stuff. And it's done in these like POV shots of them, you know, being platformed towards her on the camera in like this deep green lighting as each one just gets closer and closer and you know, welcoming her, her in. And, you know, then then she appears fine as as she, you know, as she's telling Vlad to, you know, who comes back to the house, like, you know, you know, go away, like run before, you know, like, uh, you know, before something goes wrong here. And he's just like, you know, he's like, no, I'm going to rescue you. And, uh, you know, he confesses his love, his desire to he cannot live without her. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result, she is like, yeah, she goes in for a kiss. And, you know, the whole family as we watches. kind of learned with this version of the vampire, it's like, yeah, you know, they're, this is, this is how you are going to maintain your, your love. And it turns this like romantic moment into this kind of gruesomely kind of ironic moment. But it's done in like, like that zoom on her being like, kiss me. And the spotlight on her eyes, like followed by all the zombie heads, like in the windows, watching like them, watching them and stuff. It's like, like this, our like,
3: family's coming together. Yay. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like this trance-like ritual romantic thing. It's very, very well done. Yeah,
3: and, and and in classic Halloween spooky fashion, just the last shot being a road taken over by the fog is just great. Yep. Good touch, Bava.
2: Yeah. So like these are these are, these are all incredibly strong and um, the the very la and, and that was the longest one. That's like, mm. you know, this is a, a 90 minute, you know, this one is only three shorts and they all kind of hit. Uh, I do think this is more consistent than Creepshow overall, because I really do like all three of them a lot. Yeah, me too. Um And but this last one, The Drop of Water is the shortest one it's 20 minutes yeah. and he just goes pedal to the metal on this he one, like basically no <laughs> right from, from the start. Like it is the most uh, like,
0: he, he's going so hard directing.
2: Yeah. 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 And 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 this is like the most like overtly ghostly, like reanimated corpse story that he that he's telling. It's the closest to like straight up like Halloween haunted house kind of mood. Yeah. Um and also, in my opinion, the closest to the three in terms of having that like EC comics just like bizarre, deserved, like ironic revenge grimness to it. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, and, and also being just such an exercise in exaggerated style choices. Like this is, you know, Rob was talking about in the last one, uh, where's the Gothic mansion? Here's the Gothic mansion, you yeah. know, here's the crazy psychedelic, like abstract Argento-ish, like dreamscape shit. You know, it's just, it, but this is definitely like the leanest and most insane one of the three.
0: Sure. But, but you know, what's interesting about this film is it's, it's really, um, quiet and yeah. in the sense that it reminded me i i don't know how familiar you guys are with the twilight zone but uh not it, that familiar i know
3: of, you know what it is and do, do but. you know
0: that do you do you know the episode the invaders
3: uh what's the uh, story briefly
0: it's 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 like one of the, one of the considered one of the best ones um it's it's very silent it's just this like lady, it's kind of like the Turin horse for a sci-fi horror film. <laughs> it's just this, this lady in like her old house, and like alien invaders are like crawling around her place, and it's almost. Oh silent. yeah, are these? But are,
2: are these little the little guys with little like robot. the little, the, yeah, yeah. the little like spinning things on their heads and stuff? I think yes. I've seen this.
0: Yes. Yes, and the uh, the drop of water kind of reminded me of that in terms of its tone and its pace.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like locked in with this woman. Just, yeah, you're just like, locked yeah. in,
0: and there, there's not really a story there. Like you're you you understand that you're in this haunted house, and uh, but like you you don't really know who the owner of the house is, why it's haunted why she's haunting her like it's not really clear well, we know why she's trying to
3: her. because she stole the ring
0: well because she took the ring yeah yeah but that that but even then that felt like it was kind of
3: <laughs> it's yeah it's it, a simple it felt premise like before it's just she, she
0: of, took the ring before she took the ring though it already felt like it was haunted
3: oh for sure i That's mean true. yeah the moment you the, look but, at that like, the vibes like, were there
0: the vibes were there so like yeah that that gave us the reason but like to me watching this, uh, all I could think of – because this will – while it wasn't necessarily my capital F favorite, it w- it's certainly the one I will be thinking about the most and it's certainly the one that is like direct, directing point of view the strongest – like I was going to say, if you go to an movie.
2: Italian horror film looking for oh the lurid God. like this, colors no, no, and sure. the lavish production this design, is, this, this is, is it, the one baby. you're looking for. This yeah. is it. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you want all the this, uh, expressionism and you want all of the. Oh, my you know, God.
0: It, it, it looks so good. And and to me, I uh, and maybe this sounds disrespectful to say, but I mean it like it, it would be the perfect thing to have on in the background of like a, a Halloween party. <laughs> like, just, like that's the vibe for sure. of it, because because you don't really need to know what the story is going on. This it is. to really soak up the energy in the.
2: Vibe. No, you can you you can you can. This is simple. You can basically get the gist of this. But the thing that I would say it is that there is so much like detail and texture to the way that he does film the logistics the of it that I sell. and, and, like, and well, yeah, and, like like, uh, some the and like some of the sounds and some of the lighting yeah, choices, some yeah, of the. Sure. the You know, like I like like if if you're not paying close attention, you'll miss the dolls and the dolls are fucking terrifying. You know, like it's one of those things where. You know, like, like th- this one is for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, this is the, w- this one moves uh it into the sort of like early 20th century. I think it's in London and it picks up with this nurse named Helen played by Jacqueline Perrault, who is basically just like up really late at-, at home on a, on a stormy night in what is an apartment that Dario Argento lives in Yes. Uh, with like surreal color lighting leaking in from her windows and her, her gramophone slowly fizzling out. And she's answering a house call from the uh, maid of an elderly woman who has suddenly died in the night and it can't wait until morning the body needs to be handled um, and so she basically pulls up to this crazy cat lady gothic mansion and it's this incredible like decadent decrepit production design like armored knights covered in dust just cobwebs and candlelight and creepy dolls lying everywhere and my favorite detail is the corpse itself which is making just this just like oh hideous <laughs> frozen face it's an incredible dummy and it, I and, will say and, I saw
0: I saw the, the the face and I was like this fucking Klaus Kinski looking motherfucker. It kind of looks like Klaus Kinski.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it, totally. I mean it, it, it kind of does. You could you could put this corpse as a character into the Great Silence and I wouldn't blink an eye. You know, just yeah. put it in the in the snow somewhere. <laughs> um, But but it it turns out that this this maid kind of reveals that this this old woman kind of died doing one of her trance like seances and her spirit or her soul might be inhabiting this weird like limbo where she's not quite dead or maybe something, maybe a spirit made its way into her body. And which is why the atmosphere is all fucked. And there's this like, you know, this whole thing is scored to like the thunderstorm outside and like cats meowing and incredible insert shots and sort of like montage as she's like observing this body looking at the bed that it's on freaked out by it and feeling like it's like watching her but still tempted to steal the shiny sapphire ring and like prying it off of her lifeless finger which triggers the series of events where like she knocks the glass over which drips the titular water which she's gonna hear through the rest of the short. This fly starts buzzing around her and you know the, 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 the cut on her gasp as she notices that the woman's face like returns back to the horrible expression after she like closed the eyes to like make it look more peaceful and stuff like that like it's just it's so well directed into being like yeah like this is a short of a woman finds a creepy body steals something from it and then the corpse gets revenge on her but like the absolute power of bava's mood that he gets is like genuinely it's like it's uh, incredible
3: yeah because he really takes his time before it finally kind of crescendos into it like an an all-out ghost attack like a spirit attack basically and I i what i love is um that the lighting that he does he sets it up in the introduction scene where it's just her kind of in the storm and it's introducing her in her apartment and everything and um it's the same kind of fading light in and out that they do in a uh, uh, blood and black lace. And he doesn't yep. use it again oh. until this scene where she starts to get the, you know, the haunting occurs and it's the same kind of trick where it it's slowly fading in and out. And then all of a sudden you see a figure, it disappears, it reappears. Um, it's just a, it's a
2: great technique and it's a so hand coming around the door frame or something. Yeah, those or, are yeah.
3: terrifying. Like he'll just do something where it's just two hands slowly creeping uh, uh, um, uh, across a, a door frame, and the only reason it's terrifying is because of the scene he put right before it, where she rises up and starts to slowly, finally move towards her, and things like that. So it's just he—he it, he knows what to kind of set up so that something as simple as creeping hands is—is is kind of a terrifying image. It's—it's it's brilliant pacing. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, well, and 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 like all, uh, like the best Italian horror, like it's about duration, mm-hmm. and it is about like really sitting there in the terrified inevitability of kind of what's coming towards her in this like malevolent spirit. Because part of this is like, is it her psyche in collapse from fear of her own guilt? Mm-hmm. Is it you know, is it like physically manifesting somehow in this sort of expressionist imagery we're seeing? Is this supernatural vengeance of 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 some kind? But the way that he turns that ambiguity into like what is essentially one of the set pieces that would make Argento famous. Like this is not that different than like when she's wandering the halls of the Academy in Suspiria mm-hmm. and like doors yeah. are turning colors and she's going into a room and like suddenly it's a room filled with traps and shit. You know, yeah. like this this has that kind of energy where it's like slowly walking through a neon lit hall, hearing creaky doors or footsteps in this like waking nightmare dreamscape world essentially in terms of just pure color and and design. And then to to get you with that level of anticipation, but then also hit you with the actual shocks when they hit like the corpse rising in the bed Oof, or my favorite, one. the crazy crank zoom on her in the rocking chair, holding her cat. Oh, yeah. And just rocking, yeah. And, and, and the, then,
0: the, the amount of cats. It was, yeah. There are so many cats just walking through the frame.
2: I don't know how in to better. explain it. Cats have Halloween energy. Definitely. A little oh, bit,
0: you know? <laughs> uh, hundred percent. I mean, the black cat is a classic. And then, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no. They're, but there are cats, like, walking through the entire uh, short. And it's great. Yeah. It's just, it just, it, it gives you the sense that, one, it's Halloween, baby. But, two, this is a crazy psycho lady. Who would crush her? <laughs> yeah. She she's got nothing else other than cats.
3: And that like <clears throat> that face change too that we get on the uh, the the lead here is just incredible it, that we get on Helen by the end. Um, just that it's like come full circle. The fear has taken her over a little bit, or the spirit did. We don't know. I guess it's kind of uh, um, amb- ambiguous, but. Um, it's just that it's such a terrifying face. And, and I love how much, how often Baba zooms into it and he's just like, look at what I've made. Isn't this horrifying looking?
2: Well, yeah. When it, when it's just snarling yeah. at her and like floating towards her, ready to strangle her, like it's, it's very freaky. But my favorite image is when her hands reach out to strangle her and it is the full like actual you know, sort of like creepy corpse woman doing it. But then when it cuts to the reverse shot, it's her own hands on her neck and she's strangling herself to death. And obviously- The, the sort of like grimly ironic ending of the whole thing is that the concierge woman you know who you know calls the the cops to come in and kind of take a look at the scenario and, and tells them what happened you know they, they notice that there's a bruise on her ring finger but there's no ring and it's implying that the concierge is now the one who who took it off her body and now she hears flies and now she hears the dripping water in the apartment that was driving her crazy when she, during those sequences where she was you know going from room to room and you know doing these sort sort of like Suspiria or Inferno sort of apartment sequences. And yeah, and, and then zoom in on the nurse's face now horribly staring at her. It's like one of the earlier examples I've seen of one of those like cyclical like curse horror stories yeah. like the ring or what would become like the Internet or, you know, kind of like curse horror Absolutely. stories. It's very cool. And then I think she and, even and, and, a, and it's a great way to night. wrap it up just like 20 minutes straight of just like, again, this is before Argento would like make this as big as it is. But like doing like a Suspiria set piece, like again, like yeah. how like what? A, a, how many years is this before? Like almost 15 years before? That's crazy. Like Bob is fucking crazy.
3: <laughs> well, he, he was unbelievably talented. <laughs> just a genius. Yeah. They knew yeah, how to make
0: movies, Those. So. Italians.
2: Yeah, they, they did. And then they, they showed you how and, they and, made him
3: just to, in this. Well, epilogue. that's just it. And that's what he wanted. <laughs> and he
2: wanted you to know. He wanted you to know how just how good he was by cu- circling around to the wraparound segment where it's Karlov still yeah. in his like Serbian vampire drip. He comes back and he's still on his horse in the moonlight. And he's like, you know, so there it is. Did you see that yeah. ending coming? <laughs> no fooling around with ghosts because they take revenge, you know, but watch out know, on the way home. <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, man, and, and then and then it, it it zooms out, and then you see like the the film workers are like running around, circling around him with the camera, all the 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 fake the the fake the cameras, and then the
2: fake the fake bushes, branches, like, the lights, the fake branches, and, it,
0: and the lights, and it's like oh, it's a movie. Yeah,
2: and that's which, right. You
0: know, for for guys like us, no matter how many times Catnip. we see Catnip. that happen. Yeah. No matter is as, as long as it's done well, we're like, oh my god, I didn't. I, it is a movie. Who would have thought? <laughs> oh my god! Yep. They're getting us to realize we're watching a movie.
3: It is also right. I knew.
0: And I knew I was watching a movie, but I forgot for a second, <laughs> and now
2: I know. And it was. Yeah, I, I posted the, the ending to this on Twitter and someone said that it was like where Kiristami got the end of taste of cherry from.
0: Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we love it. We love it.
2: Yeah, magic, magic of the movies, but uh, but also it's one of those things where Bava has so highlighted how um, like all we've been able to do is freak out about how incredible of a you know uh, constructor and kind of illusionist he is. So it's so funny to take a victory lap on that and literally just be like, I don't know how to end my movie, so fuck it. Boris Karloff screaming "Dream about me" to like literally everyone in the audience, and then being like, here is how we actually made the dream, and and here's how we generated all this atmosphere. Sphere that just freaked you out for like 90 minutes and <laughs> He's on an it's, it's incredible I, I love it. yeah it's it's the best it's one of my favorite like italian horror endings just ever it's so funny it's funny <laughs> but uh yeah that's uh that's that's black sabbath and uh if we're maybe pivoting towards the reductive rating round on on this one as well this one is a very solid it's honestly kind of high for for me yeah it's uh oh, yeah. It's, it's very moody, it's very meticulously stylized. Again, Bava, I think, organizes this basically perfectly in terms of momentum and, and you know, na- like every short, in my opinion, like there's not a weak link here and 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 it builds great like going from a murderous like phone stalker that like predates like black christmas or when a stranger calls uh and obviously predating kind of some of the giallo stuff as well and you know doing that very well and then transitioning into you know vampiric gothic horror this more ambitious you know sort of like hammer production design with fog and and decapitated heads and little vampire children and you know turning into this sort of tragic romance And then waiting till the very end for just 20 minutes of just pure Bava candles, dolls, this hideously frozen reanimated corpse in this like decadent artificial argento style dreamscape you know again 10 years or more before argento would even figure out that this would become his style and what everyone would associate with him not with bava Mm -hmm. um so like it's just it's 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 again bava once again incredibly ahead of his time incredible director incredible with mood and every single one of these stories is 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 a, is a hitter for me, and it's all united by Boris Karloff, the legend. You know, yeah. If, if Boris Karloff gets on screen and is like, "Listen to my three spooky tales," I'm gonna have a good time, even if the tales are kind of mediocre. And in I, this case, I will the tales say are though, I,
0: I you know, but but the fact that this was we watched the Italian version, and yes, it, it did kind of made it the, the Karloff uh, contribution a little less Yeah,
2: you didn't like Italian Karloff? Come on, man. No,
0: I, I, I did not. I wanted to hear that, that great, brilliant voice, and it was like, uh, at a certain point, it's like, and because it also, because he, he's wearing all that, that drip, yeah. it could, it, I mean, it looks like him if you know it's him. You yeah. know, and and I think, course, like, yeah, I think he's good in the
2: vampire segment. Yeah, great. <laughs>
0: of course he is. He's good. He's good doing anything. But <laughs> but, but but if I'm watching Karloff, I want to be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm in it. Yeah, like you know, and and I didn't quite. You just you just wanted out.
2: Frankenstein to show up.
0: <laughs> I well, I wanted that same gravitas.
2: Mm, I yeah. didn't
0: I didn't necessarily want him showing up as the monster, but I wanted the same oof.
2: Well he did kill a kid. So that's that's something. pretty sweet. Well, who hasn't? Who hasn't Amongst Us? <laughs> who Amongst Us
0: uh,
3: Adam. <laughs> Mine, I'm gonna also I'm gonna strongly for it as well. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's perfect, but it's very close to it, honestly. Uh, I think Bava is just an absolute master at suspense and tension and pacing and blocking and uh, lighting. Like it's just, and and in this one specifically, there's a lot of great use of of sound and specifically, I guess the absence of it, because there's like just the, to have most of this finale uh, specifically in um, uh, The Drop of Water, just be quite literally just, Drops of water as she goes from room to room, and the most you really hear is like a storm and the
2: cats and yeah, yeah. like it's
3: very subtle. um, But there's that 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 rhythm that's just kind of there and haunting you, and it's 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 fantastic. He just has such a level of control that I find uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, So uh, so yeah, strong four, really awesome. Oh yeah, for you, Rob.
2: Uh,
0: I I would kind of I would kind of again. Three and a half to four range.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, say, mm. But
0: but but I will say, like, I think this one, if I were to have seen it in the theater, I would have been way more gung-ho about
3: it. Yeah, I would love mm. to see this which, in the theater. Which, Ooh.
0: obviously, you could say that about anything, but this one in particular, I feel like any kind of giallo Italian horror shit from, like, the 60s, 70s, I... when I watch it like by myself on a TV there's something that's missing more so than other things and uh, Mm. so so I think it really would have been like to see this with an audience on film would have impacted my uh, enjoyment of it way more significantly but yeah it was great Um, I'll be I will be thinking about uh the drop of water specifically i'll i'll be thinking about that one a lot yeah uh just the visuals are so strong they're so rich and yeah. the ending of of carloff on the horse it's just it's great so funny, funny. you got to love it man you got to love the halloween mindset
2: we do yeah love spooktober and we did the- this is the this, this is the big Halloween episode. thanks, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us, Rob. That was uh, Creep show from 1982 as well as uh, Black Sabbath from 1963. Uh, this is usually the part of the show, Rob. Where if you've uh, got anything to plug, we usually have you have you do that. What's going on in Rob's world? Are you are you are uh, you still just logging log spooky movies right now? Do you want people to I'll, check I'll, you out well, on, well,
0: here's the thing. I'm logging spooky movies. I'm on Letterboxd. <laughs> you can follow me. Uh, my it's my name Robert Franco. I you can follow me on Twitter. I will probably delete my Twitter very soon. Um, oh, it's looking it's looking like the end is near for for that mm. or X is what we call it now. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, that's and yeah. 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 But, you know, hey, you want you want me acting in your film? You want me on? your? Actually, uh, you know what? No, don't 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 bother me. It, but <laughs> if, if you got juice, if you got juice, bother me. If you got juice. Hit me up. But uh, if you're just some guy, fuck you.
3: He's only doing triple A features here.
0: I literally, I am. Yeah, I turn my nose at at people beneath me. I turn my (laughs) nose up at them. I, I'm, I'm trying to get to the top, baby.
3: That's right. We wish you the best of luck, Rob. Yeah.
2: That's right. That's right. I Uh, want people to pay
0: me for my opinions. (laughs) 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 That was for Josh. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, good. For, for our listeners, we are going to be back in one week's time where we are going to be doing the big episode number 300. Um, and it is the episode that comes out on Halloween weekend, but it is exclusively over on the Patreon. So we wanted to make this the big uh, Halloween episode for everyone. But for next week, over on the Patreon uh, for you guys over there exclusively we're gonna be doing a big Craven blind spot that we, uh, that we have been kind of talking around for like five years. Uh, we're gonna finally talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, yeah. We've done a lot of Cravens, but we somehow have not covered that one yet, and we finally decided that it was time to do it, and it made sense for a Halloween episode. It made sense to get a big canon horror film out of the way, and we are going to be pairing it uh, with a little movie called Wishmaster, to oh, keep, yeah. keep the silly spooky zone kind of going, even onto the Halloween weekend. So that's what you can expect over on the Patreon in one week's time. And then in two weeks' time, we are kicking off Noir Vember, where we are going to pivot hard, moving away from the spookiness and into the hard boiled crime. And uh, we have a good friend of the pod, Hesa Denny, coming back on to once Woo! again show us two Sweet films Hessa. we have never. We have never seen which she likes to do. She likes to pick stuff that uh, no one has has seen and recommend it to us. So we are going to be talking about two noirs that I don't even know that if I had watched listed before she told me about them, we're going to watch The Sound of Fury as well. And not The Sound of Freedom, The Sound of Fury
1: <laughs> um,
2: and uh, Shadow on the Wall. Those are going to be the two noirs that are going to kick us off on a, um, a month of uh guys in fedoras uh killing people and feeling sad Hell yeah um, we love that so yep <laughs> that's uh that's what you can expect in two weeks time but yeah that being said that wraps it up for everything this week thanks so much for listening and keep it sleazy keep it sleazy everybody
0: love you mwah, mwah.